0: Sunday it's finally a happy Sunday I don't know Tyler we're still debate's still out on your, guys's, yeah, your we're guys we're still out there, Darren I know it wasn't a great weekend but hey you've coached me through the last two weekends of tough tough losses so I guess I'm gonna have to step up here uh, honestly I don't think any of us need to feel that confident about our teams because of what they put out there on the field today so there's still a lot that we have to get through this is talking the gridiron here on the variety sports network my name is Jimmy Pallotto I'm joined today by the fat boy fadeaway sports podcast guys once again, Darren and Tyler, uh,
1: guys, how are we feeling after a full Sunday slate of football games once again? Well, I mean, I'm obviously just, uh, I'm licking my wounds here, trying to get through the September here with one win. Uh, just one, act. we're actually guess we can't technically even get there with one win. It starts in October next week, so an 0 for September, never the way you want to start an NFL season. We all know that. We talked about that last week. Tyler in the midst of it right now. He's in a you know high. You know the Giants are beating the Rockies right now, ten to five, in a, a high scoring affair. So we'll see oh, what wow. happens here, <laughs> the mile high. So Tyler, I look forward to your reaction here. Is <laughs> there uh, more runs game.
0: scored right now in the Rockies and Giants game than points scored in the Broncos game? And <laughs> Broncos 49ers be. game?
2: Yeah, for <laughs>
1: sure. There might be, but yeah, looking forward to it. So, I look forward to our discussion here. It was pretty fun last week, and uh, looking forward to talking it up with you guys again here.
0: I I agree. This is one of the best parts of the weekend so far. Tyler, you're going to be our first uh, live participant of watching your team play (laughs) while we're recording this show. Uh, So I guess it could be good or bad. How are you feeling after first quarter, first half and and a little bit into the third quarter?
2: Um, It's ugly. It's very, very ugly. Jimmy is not the answer that I was hoping he'd be. Turned into real before the clock strikes midnight, Jimmy, a little earlier than I was hoping um, but we're ahead. Our defense is looking sharp. Russell Wilson can't do much so far. We'll see what happens in his last quarter and a half. Yeah, I,
0: I think that there's been a lot going on so far before we get into uh, the actual specific games, and we're going to start by kind of breaking down just the initial parts of this uh, Denver and San Francisco game. We are brought to you by the variety sports network and if you want to support the support the variety sports network you can go ahead and do so go to row one follow them at cool stub on twitter you get 15 percent off anything in the art gallery when you co- use code vsp15 so follow the variety sports network at variety underscore sports underscore go to row one brand.com use that promo code vsp15 and you get 15 percent off everything at row one brand um, i guess we do we're, we're pulling in a different demographic tonight we had a he was – we roasted him last week talking baseball on the football show, yet we started off the football show talking baseball. So, Logan got one back on us is what I'll say. Yeah, Made yeah, up yeah. a little
2: bit
1: for your Dak Prescott comment. Should we talk Pirates-Guardians on Thursday night? No, Skechers-Steelers. <laughs> to, to be honest, guys, <laughs> baseball season ended like four months ago. I don't know what There we're you about. go. That's most of the demographic. We had a man hit 700 home runs and nobody cared. So, yeah, let's go. Week three, let's bring it. There you go.
0: I, I guess, yeah, um, there, there was a lot that happened in the, in MLB, but starting with the NFL, and uh, let's start with the Sunday Night Football game. Tyler, you mentioned it. You, you set us uh, on course with your tweet last week watching your NFL football team play is torture, and I I resembled that fact last week. I don't know how you feel. It, does this still ring true for you? Obviously, you said Jimmy's not the answer you were hoping for. What, what else besides the quarterback plays, what you've seen holding this team back?
2: Uh, it, the play it's all big offense. The defense looks spectacular. They get, have a good pass rush. The secondary they haven't had in years. It's just the lack of creativity. They can't get the ball to Debo Samuel anymore. The guy had 18.2 yards per catch last year. Now he's averaging like 6.5 or something. They can't throw the ball outside or further than four yards down the field. Anything past that's like, well, here we go. It's like going to be... Close to an interception or a spectacular
0: offensive play. Uh, Darren, have you noticed anything that really stood out to you watching the the early parts of the game? I know you didn't. You told me before we started recording you didn't actually get to see Jimmy step out of the back of the end zone. He has taken over Dan Orlovsky's uh, mantle, and he wanted to make sure that we. That you see his tweet down there on the screen. I've never been <laughs> happier.
2: Freedom. That is a
0: direct quote, by the way. If you follow Dan Orlovsky on Twitter, so. We know where his mind is at. What have you seen so far? I, honestly, last three weeks in a row,
1: Sunday Night Football has been one of the worst games of the entire weekend. All right. First of all, I I remember one of Tyler's first – got to be one of Tyler's first 100 tweets was Dan – it was ripping on Dan for that, and he, <laughs> he sent it to him. So just that little little fun factor regarding Tyler. Jimmy G, I pointed out, like I said earlier in the podcast, I said, this week is going to be a reality check for Niner fans. They are going to be reminded they're off that little honeymoon with those little passes to the Seahawks over there. This is going to be a reminder of, oh crap, we are. This, every game is going to be we're, we're going to be winning. We're going to be winning seventeen to ten. Every game is like that. So if you are a Niner fan, you have to admit, like you are hoping. That you would get these great performances from jimmy three touchdowns as brian johnson once said on our podcast that is not possible jimmy g back to reality this is what it is tyler that you have this is what it is. i mean the broncos too if you're a broncos fan too if they go to that side either you got wilson you traded those picks they got five points are you kidding me right now
0: <laughs> you yeah, said details
1: at the game he can't be happy
0: I I really don't think that he is happy. He's definitely not happy with whoever sent out this tweet at Ryan Harris, six, six, two, did Seattle actually win the trade? Because here's the thing, Seattle now knows what they have to do with their quarterback room. And I would say that the Broncos uh, were, were we sold on a good uh, bill of goods when bringing in uh, Russell Wilson? Is that his fault? Is it the coaching? I really don't know, but there's been a ton wrong on both sides. and, And it, it surprises me, honestly, that, in that first half, the 49ers' offense looked like they were just ready to tear through the Broncos. Ayuk was open all the time. They are getting the ball to Debo. I agree with you, Tyler. I'm not sure quite the reason why you stopped doing that. Uh, probably something similar to why Atlanta doesn't throw it to Kyle Pitts in the red zone. But there just seems to be – you're not taking the easy stuff. Like we talked about last week, in the big moments, in the big games, I wouldn't necessarily know how big of a game this is for San Francisco and Kyle Shanahan. He doesn't really trust his players. And when he doesn't trust his players, it reflects in his play calling – and it's pretty easy to to see tonight that he doesn't really have all that much faith in Jimmy G, which is why he was on the trading block and had his bags packed up until last week. I, I think that we're seeing kind of the manifestation of all of that right now.
2: But to look back at the first five quarters of Trey Lance, it was bad also. It's going to be the same way this year with him. Yeah. I, you more, less plays, more like dumb it down, running plays, just three yards in the cloud and done. I don't know what's that, wrong with Kyle Shanahan. Before he was very creative, he found ways to get guys open. And it just, I don't know what's going on. It's very bland football. Hey, did That's you guys kinda-
1: hear what? Sorry, did you hear what Steve Young said about the situation?
2: No. Who's actually
1: you know, no. been in this? Did you hear what he said this week? Okay, he, he, I thought it was the most interesting comment I heard all week about it. He goes, If I was Jimmy G, I would go into Kyle Shahan's office and say, Hey, listen, you fired me. Let's be realistic. You fired me from the job. What did you think I did terrible? do I have any chance of being better at what you thought I was bad at? I just love the way Steve Young said it. I was like, that is, that is what he should do. <laughs> like, he literally fired him from a job. There's really no situation like this ever. That's what happened. So I just thought that was the best quote about the whole situation all week was, he should, he should go into the office. So I don't know. I just think overall, uh, it's just a, it's just such a fascinating situation moving forward in the NFL.
0: I think so too, and I think it brings up this question, and it's one that we can pose to our listeners. If you're if you're watching right now, leave a comment if you whether or not you think that this is what's going on here. But is Jimmy G a failed experiment in San Francisco? You can maybe take that even a step further. Is let's go back to the to Seattle and the Russell Wilson trade too? Are both these teams that we're watching here on Sunday Night Football were they both kind of duped in their quarterback situation? Obviously, Trey Lance wasn't going to be the savior that everybody wanted him to be, even after having a year behind him. Jimmy G is Jimmy G, which is what we've known him to be ever since he was back in New England. And Russ Wilson, Nathaniel Hackett, and the Denver Broncos offense can't get themselves on track either. So are we starting to see some – is it too early to say that these things haven't worked out? Is it maybe we need a couple more weeks? Three weeks of the season, almost a month into the season, you kind of got to have to start making decisions. So we'll start off with the question, is Jimmy G failed in San Francisco? Is he going to be moved somewhere else no matter what happens? Uh, moving forward in the season,
2: uh, let me take that one first. I no, he's not a failed experiment because before he got there, this team was winning like three games a year, four games a year. And as soon as he got there, it gave him a credibility where they were winning at least nine, <laughs> making the playoffs. They made an NFC championship. Is he going to be a failure this year? I don't know. It's not looking good at this point. But I think they're still going to win games and be in games just because of their defense. And I do still have faith in Kyle Shanahan to figure something out at some point. So I don't think Jimmy's a failure as a whole tenure, but I wouldn't expect him to succeed further than he has already. I, so I'm not like thinking Super Bowl or anything, but I think he's still, I don't know, not a failure.
0: Darren, what do you think? I mean, he was brought in. He was supposed to be the savior of the 49ers the year that he was brought in, and he had that unfortunate injury. They make it to the Super Bowl but lose out below a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. What are we thinking of, of Jimmy G's time in San Francisco, and do you think that it's probably coming to an end no matter what at the end of the season?
1: <laughs> I mean, the man has 12 lives. He's got more than a cat. He survived. I mean, like you said, he his last, his last press conference, he's like, all right, I'll see you guys later. I mean, he thought he was out. I mean, if it wasn't for his surgery, he would be out. So I, I think – I don't think it's a failed experiment. Tyler said that before that it was awful. He came in and went five and zero. he raised the expectations more, if anything, and then he got hurt, and then he took their team to a super bowl. He won a game in Green Bay. He's not definitely not a failed experiment. If you were there for the years before, I mean, he's definitely a major upgrade. Uh, he just has he just lacks uh, you know, obviously an ability to like win a game by himself. That's exactly what he has. So, and everybody knows that on the defense, and they try to force him into that so. Um, he is what he is. I mean, can he have a Trent Bill for season? Can somebody can can other things happen to where he can just guide you to a championship? That's what it's always been with the Niners, but failed. I can't go there with it. As we're we're talking about this subject, the Broncos
0: did just take the lead. I thought something
1: out. happened. His face, he kind of had a little his eyes kind of like winked a little bit. I didn't like yeah, it. it,
0: it and it was Melvin Gordon. It wasn't even Javante Williams. Oh, so it's not like it was the good Melvin. running back. Yeah. It's not the me. good running back that had anything happen. But the Broncos did just take the lead. They have they make the field goal, with, or the PAT. Which is, hey, do oh,
1: the Broncos have the greatest home field advantage?
0: Well, the, that's depends that's on how you thing. think about it. it. It depends on how you think about it. Because some games, you don't have to play against some, right. some of the better teams in the league. Like the Ryan, the Ryan Clark comes to mind not being able to play in denver and i know that san francisco had a running back that has the same blood type blood trait or whatever to where he can't play at altitude either so in that regard yes i think it's mainly a, a an advantage early on in the season i think september october when you're coming to 5280 and it's also like 85 90 degrees and you're not used to the heat with the altitude that's where you have your biggest home field advantage at the end of the season
1: i don't really know all right, it's funny because living out here in the Bay Area, like every time the Warriors or anything goes to like Colorado, it's like, oh, that my L A are do you have? Are you literally, and you have better lungs than me? Is that what this is? <laughs> like, like that's the way de- everybody makes it be. It's like, there, I you. have
0: harder core. My red blood cells are a lot more hardcore than than you all. We get to breathe <laughs> in that sea level air. My red yeah, blood bones. cells have to pull in whatever <laughs> oxygen they're able to find and, and basically hold on to it for as long as they can. I don't know.
1: It it's is weird is though. Pat too. I'm seeing eleven here for a while. Somebody missed a PAT. Title. No, and I
2: went for two. All
1: right, they didn't get the well, two. Eleven to ten. Oh man, the Rockies took the lead. <laughs>
2: the Rockies <laughs> came back.
1: Logan, know, if
2: you're still with up. us, if you're still with us,
1: hang Giants on. Blue, Giants
0: blew. Giants blew the save. Uh, <laughs> okay.
2: Before we what move off soccer. this
0: game, before we move off this game, let's talk about the Broncos side of things. Obviously, still not what you want to see. This. This this late into the season now, the newness is worn off of Nathaniel Hackett. Team Everything is Awesome is no longer a thing. You can't just look up there at the media and say, we're going to be fine. We're going to learn from this and and move forward. They're at a point in the season where they have to win or Nathaniel Hackett's going to be talked about as a coach on the hot seat. It's just what it is. You've sold for the most amount of money any other NFL franchise has sold for. You need to start putting – A product out there on the field, especially with the $200 million quarterback that you have now. So the question is posed, did Seattle actually win the trade? And I guess, what are your guys' thoughts on this? It hasn't been what you expected. Russell Wilson, I think, after tonight, has maybe thrown three touchdown passes all season. None of them to Corlin Sutton, who's supposed to be his number one receiving target. He's thrown three touchdown passes in three games. And the Broncos are are looking at a possibility where they're either 2-1 and or 1-2, and and some of the three ugliest games of the NFL season so far. So what are are the thoughts on this Russell Wilson experiment so far in Denver?
2: I mean, so far it's a complete failure, but there's so much time for this to turn around. Like, if they just figure something out, I don't know. Something's not working right now. So the fact that um, Seattle still could win the trade after the trade they made, which wasn't, it seemed like they didn't get as much as maybe they, eh, they got a lot. But it just seemed like you get the star quarterback, you're getting the deal. And now at this point it seems like maybe Seattle did win this trade. I don't I think it's too early to call it like how much longer is Nathaniel case, Hackett
0: gonna have before he can prove that he can turn it around,
2: I guess is the other part of this question. Well, I I don't know about Daniel Hackett. Like he can't hack it from what I've seen.
1: I'm gonna say he's get he gets at least a year and a half. I mean I mean a year? I'd say it depends on how bad that year is, right? If he goes two and I I'd say what do you think he has to get to six wins? I think he has to be over 500 because that's
0: a that is literally all you hear when you turn on a sports radio station in Denver right now. Is how it's been six years since the Broncos. Trevor Simeon was the last Broncos quarterback to finish the season with
1: at least a 500 record. And when the owners Other than, just fire him after one year, paying all that money. I don't know if they're paying Hackett all that money. I'm just wondering with Denver's ownership and it's kind of in that weird state. Well, right that's now. we're we're all kind of trying to figure out how quick
0: they're going to be to to move on from people. I would think that watching the last few years I mean you went too long with Vance Joseph you went too long with Vic Fangio and yeah. now you're you run the risk of maybe going too long with another first year head coach maybe first year head coaches is just thing. honestly when the whole carousel was going on I thought Dan Quinn was going to be the coach of the Broncos I thought that they had given up on the first time guys and the successful people that they've had as head coaches Mike Shanahan Gary Kubiak and what would have been Dan Quinn all were places before, never got over the hump, and then came to Denver with a Hall of Fame quarterback, and look what happened. So that's that. To me, that's what made the most sense. I didn't. The only reason why Nathaniel Hackett made sense was if they were still pursuing Aaron Rodgers, which it doesn't sound like they were really pursuing that no. all that much afterwards. No. So I, I really don't know. This whole thing kind of seems like it was Plan B, and Plan B is not worked out near what you were expecting it to be. No,
1: not at all. Not at all. Yeah, I, I hear you. And I, th- I feel like it hasn't. I've been mean, through three games. You can't say it's worked out. They haven't put up very many points at all. I, Like I said, I think I said it in our previews one that we first did is, like, this will be a good test for me for the receivers as well. Like, you know, we heard a lot about, like, Drew Locke was the reason. You know, these guys. You know, and I'm not saying, like, obviously Wilson's better than Locke. But, you know, I don't know. I just think the Broncos are an interesting case here. Tyler, some, I'm looking at your face. What is going on?
2: We completed a third
1: and three for a first down. All right, how much time's left? Three three thirty one. All right, three thirty one. All right, I, I you can tell you got You got excited. Do the Broncos have any timeouts left?
2: Yeah,
1: they have two. Oh, so Niners
0: have so three. That's a that's a mental conundrum. That's the gymnastics, intellectual
1: gymnastics. Oh, I don't think Nathaniel
0: Hack it's ready for <laughs> another
1: first down. So, is this what you are talking about? Like, talking to like Nico, who's obviously goes to the game and to- stuff him is and I listen to the podcast your guys podcast he's really into it is are Bronco is Bronco Nation kind of already that already worry about
0: him uh, he's not one of the ones that's that quick to move on i, I, I will give him credit he was i at I by the end of the time of Fangio he wanted to move forward but he wanted to give them as much time as possible <clears throat> so he's not on the too far extreme, but there oh are, my. I mean, the contingent of people oh. that are out there.
2: Jimmy threw a pick.
0: Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> he threw a pick? Oh, wow. To who? Is it Sertan?
2: No, nah, number 50. Tip oh.
1: Ouch. Oh, Tyler. I love it. We love it.
2: The reaction Here. On
1: live. Here you go, Tyler. This is awful. I love it. I love it. There you go. Tyler, watching your team play football is torture. Yeah, so I saw that. I experimented that today. You still got three yeah. timeouts left. There we go. And I, hey, I just got an interception on my ESPN thing. That, yeah, here's my reaction.
0: <laughs> 17 of 28, 195, a touchdown and now a pick.
1: And that's what I was saying. Like, Niner fan, like Tyler right now, I can see it. He's like, you yeah, know, screw it. I want Lance back right now. It's like, I, want, I want Lance back. I, I've seen this show before. I can see it right there. Look at him, Jimmy. He's thinking that right there.
2: <laughs> I don't. I don't I mean, Let's just I, bring the mood up of the
0: podcast. That everybody should feel like Dan Orlowski feels right now. Everybody should be <laughs> able to experience joy like that. I know you two have have kids. You probably experienced something on the similar feeling of of being not the last person to step out of the
1: back of the end zone, but. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have diapers anymore. I just got rid of that last week. No, my last kid—that's freedom right there, man. Right there. (laughs) That's three kids' freedom right there, Jamie. That's three kids.
0: Let's—they're about to get to the two-minute warning. So let's let that game breathe a little bit. Let's Let's start talking about some of the other games that happened because this is a Week Three uh, reaction (laughs) show. And to be honest, even though some of them didn't turn out the way that we were expecting, there was a lot of competitive games. I think that's one thing that you can say. And the Steelers-Browns was competitive on Thursday Night Football up until the end. I don't know if you guys were a part of the contingent. That game at the end of it had some of the worst beats. Nico texted me right afterwards. I can't say exactly what he said, but it was along the lines of F everything and all all that I hold dear to myself because he lost $70 on that last touchdown. He had the Steelers plus seven and a half was going to be the last leg of a five-leg parlay, and that touchdown blew it out, so it was more than seven. So he lost seventy dollars in the span of twenty seconds or however long that play was. So I don't know if you guys were in that contingent, but what do what do we see on Thursday night? Is Jacoby Brissett the guy? Is he better than
1: what we were expecting? I always thought he's been pretty quality, to be honest. I don't think he could take you into a Super Bowl. I always thought for like I think I like I think he can max get you eleven wins. Like best season. Like, I mean, like that'd yeah, be the best. But like he's probably more five hundred. I think. He's got it. and in some ways, I mean Watson is what he is. But if you're just talking pure football, it's like kind of a perfect exchange in some ways. <laughs> You know what I mean? We're talking you get this guy who's got a mellow, he's gonna keep you steady, Eddie. And then you got Watson coming in there who's gonna take him maybe to probably do another level based on his talent and his history there. So putting aside uh obviously those uh, off the field issues just from a football standpoint, I just feel like I mean, they can just stay – I like the Browns. I love – Chubb is unreal. Like, nobody has better footwork in the world than him, right? I and mean, he's got strongest, right? strongest legs, 800-pound squat in the offseason. Nobody I mean, does that. Yeah, I mean, to me, he's the best running back right now. Do you guys, What do you think? My Is that stupid? I think that the he's better than what – I don't know. There's something about him that's really good to me. Like, the way he moves side to side and side cuts and his twinkle toes and his power, like – I just feel like he carries a heavy load for their offense, too. Like, I, I think know, he I, might I, be
2: the best at taking the ball from the quarterback as a running back. Maybe that's. Yes. Oh, it's she- a bam. I would think a healthy Christian McCaffrey still. Like, no, he's, he's got to be I out of it now. I don't want to hear no he, The guy gets 100 yards doing nothing. He had a bad week. He had 100 yards. This I, don't,
1: I just don't want to hear it. I just don't think he can be number one, two, or three anymore. He what? That's just how I, I feel. I don't it. know. I'm an idiot. Yeah, that's right. I'm an idiot.
0: I, there's a lot that I think goes into being the best running back. And I really don't think that he gets the amount of options to be the number one running back in the NFL. He doesn't get a lot of carries because he does have Kareem Hunt in the backfield. And Kevin Stefanski is one of those offensive geniuses that he's not going to wear one of his guys out. When you have a a tandem of running backs like that, you have two true number one running backs that can carry the ball 60 times a game if needed. And you have both of them. Why wouldn't you split the carries between the two of them? And, yeah, Kareem Hunt is way better at catching the ball out of the backfield. So I guess he's going to be the third down back. But Nick Hunt, Nick Chubb has been better about all that, getting better in his time in the NFL. I think that we're seeing the evolution of Nick Chubb to becoming the next step and maybe that marquee running back. But the lack of carries and the lack of, quote, production and the numbers that you see is probably why it doesn't seem like he should be in that conversation. Because, yeah, you're right. If you're going based purely on stats, a healthy Christian McCaffrey or a healthy Saquon Barkley – has the ceiling is it's not even close between Nick Chubb and then, then those guys. So I really think it just comes down to the offense that they run, the, the amount of production, amount of op- opportunities that they get. Yeah, I,
2: I, I, I just think Christian, McCaffrey, you could make Christian McCaffrey a slot receiver.
0: And be one of the best slot uh, trust me, I've seen Christian. I played against him my freshman year of high school. He played, he was a senior at his high school, and he ran down on a kickoff and he hit our kick returner so hard at the 15 yard line that the helmet rolled out of the back of the end zone. And that wasn't even his number one position. That was he had already scored three touchdowns, so he was done playing offense. So he was playing kickoff and defense and he's that he is truly one of the best athletes that I've ever seen. And yeah, he has the potential to be the best running back in the NFL, but so who do you have, Jimmy, as the
1: best running back? Then? I think it's probably probably <laughs> Chubb. Yeah. It's either that Chubb. A, that we're on the same page then i feel he's the best that's a we're, we're I, I Nixon, feel better, Tyler I feel it. I that's got, not
2: a popular opinion either I'm surprised you
0: have <laughs> Chubb is the one guy. I, i'm I partial i'm way partial to the afc north running back so i think it's it's chubb and then it's mixon because mixon got back to back thousand yard seasons behind the Bengals' shit offensive line and uh i don't know i don't know if i could put um Derrick Henry in that. He he played like a monster today, but Derrick yeah, Henry he up until today did not look did anything play. serious, anything. No, close he looked
1: terrible. First yeah, he played the Raiders. <laughs> okay.
0: That is true. And that's, I guess, do, do we want to rip that band-aid off there, Darren? Yes, do you want to you. get it over with? Okay. Uh yes. I picked the Raiders in the pick'em. If you listen to my show with Nico on, on Wednesday's Far and yes. Bench podcast, follow at FEO TV pod. I did pick the Raiders. That was our one, since the Broncos were the Sunday night game, that was our one random game that we threw in there. <laughs> I go, you know, the Titans lost lost their starting left tackle, all-pro caliber left tackle.
2: Oh, boy. (laughs) It's on. Continue. (laughs) Jeff Wilson had a 20-yard gain. He fumbled at the first down line, and they lost it.
1: Is that a game over? Game's over. Oh, the Broncos!
2: And they go celebrating.
1: Look at the passion! He's like, I
0: really don't. I really don't think if he called in right now, he'd probably be pissed off. He'd probably be that'd, be like, even this this that'd be even the, better. That is the most <laughs> ridiculous win. They got the bad win last week against Houston, and now they get the eleven to ten <laughs> oh, victory. What?
1: Held held on to the bottom of the ninth. There, closer came in, did his job. And hey, Nico's the gambler on your show, right? So I wonder what the odds were if you would have picked eleven to. 10. <laughs> I wonder. Here's the thing. I, it's not a scoregami, but I
0: wonder if that's the first time that an NFL game has actually ended eleven to ten.
1: That's a great question. I should pose that on Twitter.
0: I don't think it's a scoregami because zero and one are pretty easy second digits to get, but eleven to ten seems a little out there. Unless I was watching minor league baseball or, or something like that.
2: There was so only that, one seven to five game. Yeah. So whatever that they got it seven five, and I said I don't know about 11-10. That's a rare score. Eleven. That's for sure.
0: There's been a lot of safeties in the league or or at least more safeties than I or not, I guess not in the league, but in football in general, because Iowa had the one game where they got to seven with a field goal and two safeties. So it seems like they're, they're happening a little bit more often, Uh, but we were about to get into the Raiders game after we'll, we'll circle back around to Sunday night football before we make predictions to Monday night, but the Raiders game, I said on our, on my show on Wednesday, I couldn't see how the Raiders don't bounce back. They obviously know, here's the thing that I've obviously been hearing the Titans division, not great. So they can maybe afford to lose early on in the season. The Raiders have no room for error. Uh, Maybe now a little bit more because the Broncos were the only team to take a, take a win in the AFC West so far uh, in week three, but it it is incredible how little run defense the, the Las Vegas Raiders have with all of that talent on the defensive line with Chandler Jones, with Max Crosby, um, they have no run defense. It's kind of kind of impressive the fact that they're able to get after the quarterback the way they do and, and can't stop when you give the ball to just to the running back. That's all you have to do. And then they totally forget how to block to tackle him. What would you see, Darren? I know you're watching the game with
1: bated breath. What would you see out of your guys today? I, I just wanted to keep going. Just keep just going. Keep, Atty, well, I don't
0: even know. Uh, uh,
1: pour it on. We need to hear. More. Hunter
0: Renfro is really likable, but he, you can't fumble <laughs> twice in overtime last week. He's a loser. Uh,
1: Derek Liner well, told- still has the worst makeup in all of the NFL. How about that? Jimmy, I told Tyler before the game, crap, crap, <laughs> crap, crap, crap. That's what this is. It's a crap game. They're they, they they're just a big pile of crap, and I can't figure it out. They, they're they the most heart-wrenching team. They cannot ever get a big stop on defense. And then when they need to get some – them in the second half, the Titans are doing diddly-poo out there, as Jim Morrow would say. They start to get a little run in, settle for field goals like they usually do on the goal line. Then they get the touchdown at the end. What do they do that their defense couldn't do last week? They can't get a two-point conversion. This is Raider football at its finest. I'm used to it. The calluses have bit up. And you talked about their defense. They actually led the league in rush defense the last two weeks going into the season. What did I know? I told Tyler on the podcast this morning. That is fake news. Do not believe it. Henry will wake up this week. And sure enough, they became a hot night <laughs> a hot knife through butter. Again, just easy money going through it in the first half. Three straight touchdowns no resistance whatsoever. And then again, the question goes back to Carr. He can't make any plays unless it is scripted and the pocket is formed. His playmaking out of the pocket is weak. And even people rip on waller for that cash today. I know I'm going on tangent right now. I'm frustrated, but that wasn't the best throw in the world. It could have been better. And my favorite question to ever pose, Jimmy, you are an outsider. You're not in the Bay area. Can you name one quality middle linebacker? The Raiders have ever had. No, you cannot. That is the biggest question in the – and that is the biggest – that's your quarterback on defense, pretty important position. So uh, very frustrated with the the Raiders, 0-3. Oh, I had them in the AFC Championship game losing to the Bills.
0: <laughs> Definitely don't have that anymore. It's crazy because they did – I mean, they did everything that they needed to to get into the playoffs last year. And if you talk to – I mean, I'm sure that you have your feelings about how the playoff game went, but the Raiders Nation thought they should have won that game, thought that they got the the – tuck rule 2.0'd two point, two point in that game against the Bengals, and then who knows? Because obviously the Titans weren't, weren't for real. Maybe the Raiders go on the run instead of the Bengals. But now what we're seeing, it is like they can't put two halves of football together. It's either two quarters where the pass rush is getting home and they're winning by 20, like we saw last week. Like I, I, Honestly, to, to be honest, they were close with the Titans, but they were never leading like they did last week. And then in, there's a half of football where they totally forget how to tackle, how to get after, stop the run. Like I was saying, I don't, I don't really know what it is. But the question I posed, if you, if you feel free to comment in here, has McDaniel's run his course as an NFL head coach? I don't think that he should have gotten this second opportunity after what he did in Denver. Here, seeing that firsthand, and then what he did to Indianapolis, I just would have thought, okay, you're a lifetime coordinator in New England. And I guess if Bill Belichick ever dies or give, gives the keys to the castle over, then maybe you can be an NFL head coach again. But, Tyler, do you think he's maybe proven himself as, as not being able to handle that position in the NFL?
2: Yeah, I think he's spot on. He shouldn't have got this job as far as I'm concerned. He, was, he screwed the culture. What he did there was completely unprofessional. And then what he did in Denver, he, what he, he got rid of your first-round pick, a quarterback, and the best receiver you've had maybe ever as far as talent goes. Yes. Like, like, you run those two guys. It just you don't seem like you are. It, what has Belichick assistants ever done before? It's not like he has this very talented coaching tree that's been professional or been successful in the NFL. So I don't know why people keep picking from that that tree. But it is what it is. I did. I wouldn't want him as my head coach. He's going to have enough, at least fourteen games to prove it.
1: I was excited about it. You you talked about it right early in the summer when they hired him. I've yeah, I've listened to you guys for a while, and you questioned it back then. I remember listening to you on it, and I was like, "No, oh, he's an idiot." <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. he just had to to The Raiders are going to do a second yeah. chance here. Well, Jimmy, I'm here to tell you, maybe I've been wrong. Like some of the like he, if this is just me or I'm just frustrated. How many freaking uh, delay games have there been in the NFL? Is this just an issue in general in football? Like, do people not get communication? Like, I feel like there's been a ton.
0: The The rule change has been put in place to where it's not supposed to be as common. They give the quarterbacks as much leeway as possible So where if it hits zero seconds, but they still look like they're about to snap it, they will let it be on double zero for at least a second, maybe a second and a half before they Got throw it. the flag. But so does it think it's happening more, though? Like, That's the 90, crazy thing. They get more leeway, and yet the quarterbacks and the head coaches, too, Maybe it's just a, a bad time management season in the NFL so far. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. I can't can't fathom why it's taking – An it's NFL ridiculous. team should be able to get in and out of the huddle with the 25 seconds on the clock and be up at the line of scrimmage with about 15 seconds left.
1: Well, obviously, McDaniels, and McDaniels isn't getting the job done. That's part of his struggle. The team has been really late to the huddle in a lot of aspects. And their play calling has been pretty vanilla. Uh, they went deep, like, twice today. And they went deep, desperate to Holland's late, like – Adams hasn't got any deep bombs. Jacobs has been, eh, they're in trouble. I did like what I see from the Titans, though, in the first half. They look like a team that maybe can win the AFC South again. The second half, no. But that division, the Jags maybe can win it. Obviously. I know we'll get into them later, but the Titans, I know they Henry's just I just love him watching him run though. It was a yeah, you know, obviously going against the Raiders is good. But Jimmy, you got to like him even as an offensive lineman.
0: Yeah, obviously, I, I have a kind of a soft spot for Derrick Henry and, and the guys that run the ball like that. I really like Josh Jacobs, too, uh, for the Raiders. If we're going to talk about running backs, I'd like to block for just the way that he gets north and south on the whole. Um, the Titans, Tyler, do you agree with Darren there? Do you think that they're still in contention to win the AFC South? Or maybe was this just because they were playing the, the Las Vegas Raiders who are going to be last in their division? So are they only beating another last <laughs> team in Not- their division?
2: I don't think they're going to win the AFC South. I think that I don't think they will. I think they have the potential. I just these quarterbacks led by like the Tannehills, the Cars, and Jimmy Garoppolo. I just I'm so frustrated with like they just they could do it. I just would never bet on it as like a fan of one of those teams. It's just they're too inconsistent. They have let you down too many times. <laughs> so I a, yeah, I just, just, a lot of I inconsistency. Think, I, think the, I think the Jaguars probably have the best team.
0: Yeah, they definitely proved themselves a little bit here. Uh, I'm, I'm going to put this up on the screen because I'm sure that both of you get a kick out of it. And you'll have to guess part of what I'm putting up here on the screen. You have to guess who actually tweeted this from the account. But uh, here we go. Ugliest W of all time, but when in doubt, rely on the D. Let's ride. Ugh. I've been working with you guys for the last 35 minutes, so who do you think tweeted that from our account? Which everybody should follow, by the way, at Pod. Yeah, follow that. Hey, Nico, come on the
2: podcast. Let's have some words.
0: I hope he's listening. I really do. I hope he's listening because we can go
1: ahead and roast him. Honestly, I think that he was a little bit nervous that the game wasn't. I I guessed on my podcast today that he was in New Orleans. That's right. In New Orleans? That was the thing. (laughs) You never know
0: quite where he's going to be. So, yeah, be – having to worry about whether or not he's uh, in in the actual vicinity to be able to go on the show, you're always going to have to wonder about that. But honestly, when I was messaging him, because I tried, I tried to goad him into it, I tried to use my reverse psychology that got us to 2-1 and one in our fantasy league. I'm like, listen, everybody's going to think that you're scared if you don't come on the show because you're like, oh, the 49ers, there's no way that the Broncos could win. Then you get the ugliest win quote, by the way, quote of you, the ugliest W of all time, but you don't want to come on and talk about it. We can maybe poke some holes into it. Obviously, it's not going to hold up. I think <clears throat> right now the way the AFC West looks at the two-team race and three and four are,
2: are well below
1: the standard that can win
2: this division. Uh, all the AFC West It's a
1: huge win. win for the Broncos. It's. A, I mean, it doesn't it really even is. matter how ugly the win is. It's a huge win. They get a lot of that. I mean, that's what I was saying about the Raiders. Like, it doesn't matter how ugly it is. Just early on, get a W. That's all that matters. And somehow they pulled it out against a really good defense. That had gave up the first touchdown of the year so i mean i i don't know it, whatever w's a w w is a w um he yeah, said it right there i'll give him that it, it's something that you got to think about i think
0: um here's here's another question that i guess we'll throw out there as we're talking about finishing up our conversation about the afc west uh this was put out there on Twitter. Fangio as a way better head coach than Hackett. I don't know if you could say way better, but where are we standing as of now? Uh, I know that you probably didn't, you both probably didn't pay attention to Fangio as much early on in his tenure, but obviously it was
2: similar. Well, it was to what he, was he was a coordinator with the Niners. So I knew who he was. I paid attention a little bit. I was okay. not impressed as a head coach, but I'm not impressed with Hackett either.
0: So, like, who, who are you more disappointed in? Who do you think was going to be a better head coach, I guess, then?
2: Fangio, because he was a great defensive coordinator for the Niners when he was there. So, yeah, I would go Fangio, I thought
0: would be better. Darren, what do you think? Who, do you, who would you have had more faith in if your team was going to hire them as their head coach?
1: I mean, I just liked Fangio only because I knew him from the Niners a little bit, and he ran good defenses and stuff. Yeah. I, understood with the, I understood why the Broncos fans maybe got tired of him, but, like, he didn't have the quarterback. You guys all said that. You guys were all, like, Broncos Nation kept saying that. But you got, I think the defensive coordinator was more important. At that, mm-hmm. the, I don't know. I, I liked Fangio for a little. He, he, he wasn't great, but I would think at this point most Bronco fans are wishing they had him.
0: It would be – I mean, there's probably a contingent of them thinking that if he was coaching Russell Wilson instead of Drew Locke slash Teddy Bridgewater slash Joe Flacco uh, and all of the other – whatever other quarterback that you want to throw in there. It's crazy to me to think that the Broncos have had 11 starting quarterbacks since uh, Peyton Manning, but – Eleven of them. There's been eleven of them, and almost
1: none of them have worked out. That's, that's where we're sitting right now. That's awful, Mike. Yeah. I didn't realize that was that many quarterbacks. I knew you had a lot. Did you count the one lefty for even that one little game against the Saints? <laughs> oh, uh, the little T- fake game the Kendall Kobe
0: Hinton? Game.
1: Yeah, COVID
0: His, uh, well, to be fair, that was that wasn't even Drew Locke's fault. That was Blake Bortles' fault. Blake yes, Bortles was the one. Funny that uh, didn't follow the COVID protocols during that time. But, yeah, I, I, we count him. We have to count him. We have to count Trevor Simeon because Trevor Simeon is the most successful quarterback since Peyton Manning. So yeah. we have to count everybody that plays. Um, um,
1: yeah. Staff good,
0: good old Trevor. Uh, coaching was a little bit in question today, and not just the head coaching, but I don't know if you – I was watching the Bengal game. I don't know if you both were able to see that, but did you at least see the highlight of Quinn and Williams – And the defensive line coach, let's give that defensive line coach a round of applause for not wetting himself, hopefully not wetting himself, (laughs) when Quentin Williams is standing up in front of him and looks like he's about to just rip your, twist your head off, just go, and you don't have to worry about thinking anymore because Quentin Williams now owns your head. Uh, The Jets not able to continue on with their winning streak. The Bengals get their first win of the season. This was big because you can't go 0-3. If you go 0-3, your chances of making the playoffs, sorry, Darren, but it's 11%. You go 0-3 to start the season based on the numbers historically. But the Jets definitely – I think that today threw out all of the questions as to whether or not there's going to be a quarterback controversy when Zach Wilson is healthy, which is supposed to be next week, by the way. Joe Flacco today – was the true tried and true game manager that we always knew he was? They talked about it going into halftime. I fell asleep at halftime, not gonna lie, because Joe Flacco threw the three incompletions because he's like, well, they're they're just loading up. They're they're running eight man protection, so I want to make sure that we have a shot for the field goal going into halftime instead of putting anything out there to try and score. Or move move a little bit closer. Uh, the Jets are in, are in a strange place, and I a coach that I think I had a lot of faith in, in Robert Sala. I'm sure that you both had. Uh, some faith in him coming from San Francisco, hasn't necessarily worked out. So what are the Jets doing? Why are they not able to get over this proverbial hump that Sala was supposed to be able to get him through?
1: I I, I just can't judge Sala. I, I can't judge him on this yet. I, I can't hold that to him yet. Tyler, I don't know if you feel the same way. I just feel like the NFL, the quarterback position is so important. And he like, he's been stuck with a weird quarterback situation, I feel like, the last, until Wilson's back. I feel like that's when I'll be able to judge him a little bit better for me, anyways. That's all I feel. I feel like his defenses have been competing a little bit. His teams have been playing hard. I don't know. I just feel like it's not the team he really envisions yet, so it's hard for me to judge him directly on it. For me, it's the whole thing with the Jets in general. But the Bengals, I, if I can swing it to them real quick, I, it was good to see them get some actual some offensive from the receivers again going. I mean, like when I think of the Bengals right now, I'm thinking like, all right, they they're they're throwing the ball around a little bit here. And they haven't been doing that. It was good to see Chase get on the board, Higgins on the board. You know, like you're a legit guys, like going, especially Tyler Boyd the, too. Who yeah, Boyd too. He had a great play there as 18 well 18
0: points in fantasy for me today. Or actually
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was good. But I, I just think that's the key. And they protected Burrow well enough too in this game, too, to get it off. But if we're gonna swing it to the Jets a little bit, I mean I'm just not gonna judge Salah on Flacco. That's just not I just can't. This is me.
2: How Joe Flacco still have a job? I know He's, he's in, in the right spot. Somebody got a hurt. Super,
1: former Super Bowl MVP.
2: Yeah, but he's terrible at this point. He can't move at all. He, he had like, a decent game last week. Okay, I mean, but going forward, you you have no faith in Joe Flacco going forward. Yeah. I guarantee like, that well, There's good.
1: a lot of backups I have no faith in.
2: As much as Joe Flacco, at least they can move. Like, there's, he's a statue who isn't good. <laughs> he's not even like, I don't know. I just don't – I can't imagine being a head coach on him. He's a Super
0: no Bowl champion, David. He went back up a bit. <laughs> He is, I mean, Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP for that one season. I know. I, really, it's been ever since he got knocked out. I don't the, – the game – it was either the Steelers or the Patriots where – no, it was the Dolphins. It was the stupid-ass Dolphins that he was sliding down, and they took the cheap shot on him and knocked his helmet off and totally rerouted his brain. Because ever since then, he hasn't been a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. And I don't know necessarily what happened. Uh, but the the Bengals, let's talk about them a little bit. I think, Tyler, you mentioned it last week when I was complaining and commiserating about the Bengals' offensive line. We all did a little bit because it was $100 million that you spent in trying to fix a position that really cost you a chance at winning a world championship last year and 13 sacks two two weeks of the season. Not good. You have to put into context, though, two of the best pass rushers that that offensive line was going against in weeks one and two. T.J. Watt for a majority of the game, not overtime. Uh, And then Michael Parsons last week in Dallas. I thought they were still going to be able to handle business against Dallas. I was clearly wrong. But today it was totally different. And that Jets defense is something to – it's not anything to sneeze at. C.J. Mosley is a great middle linebacker, Quinton Williams. Uh, Their defensive line is active and aggressive at least, so that's a good thing that you can say about them. Yet they were still able to keep Joe Burrow upright, and it wasn't even Jamar Chase. I mean, Jamar Chase had two catches and a fumble for the first half, yeah. which is probably the worst half of football that he's played so far in the NFL. But they were able to make it up with T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, uh, Samaj P. Ryan. Samaj P. Ryan made me regret Oklahoma. putting him on my bench. Yeah, <laughs> putting me on, putting him on his, on my bench. Uh, the Bengals look good. I'm I'm just gonna put that out there. The Bengals look good, but obviously the Jets are a strange lip test, test to put that up, that performance up against. You're you yeah, definitely
1: think, he does have a different different glow in his eye, right? That Tyler this week. He doesn't, doesn't look yeah, as tired he has, this week a little more he a little
2: bigger smile. <laughs> a little more teeth.
1: Did you shower before you came on? I,
0: I had to you no know, I had to break out the I had to pull out all the stops and put the Munoz jersey on, the only Hall of Famer in team history. Right? Otherwise we weren't ever gonna break
1: that losing streak. I can't can't have that. Uh, that's good. I, I just
2: think you gotta be encouraged by the way Joe Burrow played. He looked like the Joe Burrow expected and what everyone expects going forward, three touchdowns, completed like seventy percent of his passes. Um but it still concerns me, you guys can't run the ball. Like there's no like Joe Mixon can't get anything going. But as far and Chase's longest reception was ten yards, which is probably the low of his career, I could imagine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was nice seeing Boyd Higgins and Burrow get going. Like and they could they just kept picking up first downs, moving the ball, and they looked good offensively. And then the defense, the pass
0: rush was dominant. If we're going to say something nice about the Jets, too, their draft this year looks pretty good. I mean, Sauce Gardner locked up DeMar Chase pretty well, and that was the first time they mentioned it on the broadcast that he was shadowing the number one receiver. So the number one, quote, number so one rated corner. <laughs> yes. Corner, right? And he's able to shadow the number one receiver, so that was good. And then Garrett Wilson, after he goes out, at the end of the first half with – I think it probably ended up being broken ribs. Jesse Bates absolutely lit him up on an inside route, and he ended up going out of the game. But up until that point, he was the number one offensive threat for the New York Jets. So their draft seems to be positive. They can get Zach Wilson back on the field and 100% healthy, and maybe we can see if this team is actually moving in the right direction. But I kind of tend to agree with what you said, Darren. I don't know if we can really – Say anything about their performance so far. I mean, they're hurt, they're banged up, and they're also still rebuilding at yeah, this point. That's a- this would have been the first time that they were over 500 since 2018. They won their week one opener in 2018. That would have been the last time that they were over 500 if you're a New York Jets fan, which my brother happens to be one. And he's, I'm sure that he was a little bit upset with me. Yeah. He's probably a little upset with me. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the AFC East because that was one of the major early window games that ended up finishing. It is a crazy finish. First, let's talk about the player safety, kind of the elephant in the room. Were the Dolphins wrong in putting Tua Tagovailoa back in the game following what everybody knew was a head injury? I mean, he bounced his head right off the back of the turf, tried to get up, and then stumbled, trying to make it into the huddle. Yet, somehow he's he's out there in the second half. What do we think about that whole sequence with Tua Tagovailoa?
1: I thought there was somebody there to stop that. I thought that was I, wasn't that part. I thought there was a rule there that there was like another ref There's there that was supposed to be, like they're supposed to be like, hey, that guy's got a concussion there. You know what I mean? Like, so I can have this is kind of what I picture the ref like, hey, that guy's dizzy over there. We should get him out of there. The coach is like, no, no, no. <laughs> you don't understand? He just has a shoe undone or something. Like, you know, he's, like,
0: got, a, he's got a lower back injury.
1: <laughs> I mean, I mean, the thing yeah, was wobbling well. right there. How could you allow him back in the game? I honestly had to go to my son's like team pictures like right during the freaking end of the game. So I didn't see actually, I saw him wobbling around on the hip, but I just figured he was out for the game. You're telling me he came back in after that? They put him back into the game. He finished the game. That honestly is stunning to me. Like I'm just saying, like, I didn't know that. I just figured they hung on and won with their backup. I did not know. That's that's shocking to me that he was allowed back in after that. That's just considering the new rules. It's it's stunning to me. I really is. I'm shocked. (laughs) <laughs> That's, they're, gonna,
0: they're being investigated again which if you were if you're a fan of the dolphins that has to be the worst news that you could ever hear because the investigation from all of the tampering and all that tom brady situation just ended and now you're going to be investigated again for following concussion protocols but yeah i really don't know weren't you guys
2: shocked to see him come back in
0: yeah, honestly, I didn't think that he we would be seeing him again.
2: That, that, See, I that, I came that. in and he was already back, in. there like, "Oh, he suffered a little injury early." Then they said the replay. It's like he let him come back. In. He ball bounced around like a like the, a bouncy ball. He was like all over the place. He couldn't stand for anything. <laughs> and then, a, like, line like, a couple of came over and we're like, right? right? hey, "Hold on!" Dude. That's then, yeah. Serious. I was shocked when I saw like how bad. Wow, that's, he was that's shocking.
0: I'm surprised that he wasn't didn't pull in John Elway and line up behind the guard when he did come back in,
1: or 3-0, pull. In,
0: yeah, yeah, they are three zero. Or pull in Aaron Rodgers and have a Southern accent because you're so high on Percocets during your
1: post game interview. You're like, I really don't know what. what hey, the hell hey, this hey, is. Hey, can I ask you, Jimmy? Since hated on Matthew, watching two I was watching the end of the game and I heard that they punted it off somebody's butt and then got on the end. What happened on that play there? Were they not? The I'm personal, obviously assuming they weren't they trying to kick it off run. their butt.
0: <laughs> they were punting from like inside the five, and the yeah. personal protector got too close to the punter, and he kicked kicked the personal protector right in the ass. <laughs> and the two, and two, and the Bills way still, way still way lost. And
1: the Bills still lost to that team. Was it a good break that it went out of bounds? Basically, is that like got of the break? Is that a
0: bounce? Well, Pro- yeah, I, I would assume that that's probably a, a lucky break here as we're we're pulling in some of. The, I'm pulling in tweets that I found that were pretty hilarious to me and, and kind of poignant to what we're talking about here. So at Clay Troy, it says Tua has really come a long way in 2020. He couldn't even beat the Bills backups, but today he finally did. So that gives you a little idea of what Bills Mafia thinks of the team that they're putting out there, especially now that Micah Hyde was ruled out for the rest of the season and placed on IR. So I guess I'll pose the question here. Are the dolphins for real or did they just luck out and the Bills are that injured? Because we talked about Josh Allen very glowingly last week. Josh Allen had a come-back-to-reality game this week. Wasn't the monster that we've seen. And really, you can maybe put the loss solely on his back for some of the mistakes that he made today. But what are we thinking about this if if we're Bill's mafia here and, and we're looking at the game today?
2: Well, right, if I'm ahead. the Bills. I'm not concerned at all. And we still have Josh Allen. Yeah, he played a little bad. He, he has moments of being erratic. He's it in the playoffs, not last year, but the year before that. He's a bad pick, to or a bad fumble against the Colts or the Texans, I believe. I can't remember which team it was. But he he made some interesting plays, but I'm not worried. Our roster is still loaded. We still have Von Miller. We still have Stephon Biggs. And hopefully he gets back right because he was getting banged up and getting taken out of the game every other play, it seemed like. So mm. as long as they're healthy, I wouldn't be – I mean, on the offensive side, because the defensive side, they're going to have – it's going to be patchwork. that they're going to have to figure out what to do. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot more high scoring. It's not going to be as easy but Hyde and Poyer and all those guys banged up and Hyde out for a year.
0: Yeah, I, I really didn't even expect – I didn't know what to expect from their defense with Hyde being out. Darren, what would you think of of the Bills-Dolphins game? Did you put maybe more onus on the Dolphins being able to win that game or or was it the Bills being so banged up that they, they need to adjust now?
1: No, I, I kind of give the Dolphins more credit for the win a little bit more in this game uh, for hanging tough home, a home game against the Bills – Bulls were kind of due. I felt for a letdown after a win like that on Monday night. I just feel like the NFL works like that. And uh Allen was a little erratic. Like you said, and the Dolphins wanted this game. I still don't believe in them like as a deep threat. I just like into the playoffs. I just I, I just feel like they're peaking a little too early in some regards. And I, I I still kind of question them going forward, but they obviously probably will make the playoffs with a start like this, I would think. So but the bill from a bill standpoint, I would feel more than confident dolphins gosh i mean if tua can play like this and play through an injury like this and he's good to go their receivers are legit guys i mean waddle and hill are legit guys and they're pretty fast so i don't know we'll see what happens and the bill the bill like they'll play the, if they beat the bills once right now they play the jets twice they play the patriots twice there's a world where maybe they win this division i didn't think that was even close to possible to be in here
0: that's kind of going to, was going to be my next question too. Are the dolphins legit AFCE contenders? Cause we've all kind of anointed the bills. as not only AFC East champions, but AFC champions. I know my co-host did as well. So, and, and the two weeks prior to this, everybody had been confirmed in that stance. The bills are the number one team in the NFL. They are going to be the ones to be able to move all the way through the season. So it's not like this hasn't been warranted yet. Then you, you throw out one of those games like that. So I think there's part of me that wants to say, Hey, This happens. I mean, nobody goes – the last team to go completely undefeated fell apart in the Super Bowl. So maybe it's good to fall apart early on in the season and this was the first game without Micah Hyde for sure and that you know he's not going to be able to come back, so maybe there's a whole adjustment period for that. I think talent-wise, the Bills should be able to recover this – recover from this. But the fact that you lost that game the way that you did and Josh Allen in the biggest moment of that game couldn't win for you maybe gives you a little bit of, of hesitation. Because he had the wide open win, wide open touchdown, basically in the end zone, and he wasn't able to, to complete that pass. And we saw what ended up happening. But I think there's a, a, a way to look at it for both sides. But I honestly don't even know which end I would rather be on. Because I think the Dolphins have some questions. Is Tua going to be their guy moving forward? And are they going to be able to overcome this and, and win the division? And for the Bills, is your defense not being able to be what you thought it was? Is that going to impact you? For the rest of the season moving forward, I really don't know where yeah. I stand on that.
1: Hey, you coach football, right? And I coach ba- like I primarily coach ba- I, I coach basketball primarily, but I've done football. for If you lose, the like Bills are a dominant team, and sometimes if you're a dominant team in early on, you want to. And if you play a game like this and you win it, sometimes I feel like that's kind of like a it can kind of not benefit you down the stretch because you didn't get punished for not playing well. I feel like if you're a coach and your team loses a game like this, you can actually go back to the video and be like, hey, we have the most talent to win a game, but look what happens when we play to this level. We can't win on this. And, we're, and it shows we will lose a game. So I, I feel like as if, if I was a coaching staff, I I feel like for the Bills it might benefit them actually long term.
0: I trusted in Sean McDermott to be able to, to use that narrative as well. I agree with you. This could be good. I never – all the teams that I was on that ended up undefeated or coached for that were undefeated always had at least one game where they had to roll out a stinker and, and realize, hey, we can't win just every game no matter what. And I think maybe the Bills had that moment today, too. It was interesting, though, the OC for Buffalo, not happy. I don't know if you guys saw the video of him as he was leaving the press box. It's some of the most visceral emotion that I've seen from an NFL coach. It's just also as Bill's mafia,
1: I'd be like, that was Whoa. unreal. Tyler, did you see it?
2: Yeah, that was Ken Dorsey, the former Miami. Yeah,
1: player. that yeah. was Ken Dorsey. Ken Dorsey, yeah. impressive. I, I, I make, actually, that makes me actually like him a little bit more. Now. I think, I
0: yeah, like he that. wants to win. Like, there's nothing wrong with being a competitor and being pissed off that your offense didn't perform, or you know, your quarterback couldn't hit the wide open guy to win the game at the end with a touchdown.
1: My so. friend bro, my hey, friend why
2: Brian. Is there a, why is even a like video even up there? There's no point for it. Like, other than to get that type of reaction, there's no. The last one. two.
0: The last two viral videos that have come out of the offensive coordinators panel was the one college, like the Notre Dame game yes. where they're on the phone and the coach is ripping his ass. Yes. And you can tell that he's ripping – you can't see – no, know what he's saying, but you know that it's not pleasant. And the quarterback's face is just like, oh, my God, just
1: give it Please,
0: let's just wrap this up. I get it. I threw a pick. I'm sorry. And the <laughs> Ken Dorsey just bashing his headphones on the desk. Yeah, I don't – there's nothing beneficial that comes out of having a camera there other than the content that I guess we all get to talk about. So mm. I'll take it. I'm not going to say let's move away from that that model just yet. Uh, last two games, or last three games in their early slate, two of them were close. The last one, not so much. The Vikings uh, get the win over the Lions. Kirk Cousins gets over, gets out of the primetime shadow and actually plays well. 28 24. The Ravens beat the Patriots 37 26. And then the Eagles take down the Commanders and move to 3-0, 24-8. Uh, of those three games, which one were – what were the two or, – or which was the game that you maybe were a little bit more surprised by? Was it the Vikings being able to come back and get the victory over Detroit and and put themselves back into the AFC North picture – NFC North picture, excuse me? Or was it the uh, Eagles taking that further step forward and proving that there really might not be another team in that division that can step up to them? What was What was – your final thoughts coming out of the early slate for both of
1: you? Uh, for me, it was the Eagles. I, I kind of didn't believe them going into the, the season. They're 3-0, and and they've kicked ass. I mean, I don't know what else to say other than that. I know I know. maybe you could say, well, they played this, they played this, they played their opponent. I, they sacked Wentz, what, eight times? Is that what it was or something like that? 11. Was it some crazy like that? In the that? first
0: half, Wentz had, I think, minus three yards and was sacked six times.
1: I mean, if any team looks like they are – peaky early it's that i mean they're just playing uh, unreal right now i gotta think there's a comeback to earth moment for him at some point but i'm impressed with the eagles early on and if you have hurts i didn't believe in hurts at all like that and he's wow i mean impressive the eagles for sure for me tyler what do you think of those last
0: three early slate games which one kind of stood out for you
2: mine was the lions minnesota um Just in Detroit Detroit in general, I was like, the first half, I was like, oh, this is great. Detroit might be legit. They might be for real. And then they did Detroit things from previous years. And I was like, oh, that's a big win for Minnesota. to get the two and one, top of the division. They already have the tiebreaker with Green Bay. I still think Green Bay will win the division. But that was almost a must win for Minnesota this early in the season, I think. So I think it was the most important win of the week of those three games.
1: The Lions are a lot better, though. I do want to say. Oh, they
2: their offense is fun.
0: The Lions could be something if they can just figure out. That I think they're still kind of a year away from being able to put it all together. That's why winning last week was great for them because it proves to ownership that Dan Campbell's the right guy. But they're still they still have a little bit more to do sure. in, in terms you of. Do getting you remember
2: Dan myself. Campbell's first press conference and how, how ripped, or like how much shit he took for it? Like because he seemed so out of the box. Yeah. Yeah, old man, who was just crazy by football.
0: I think I talked shit about two coaches that were hired out of that cycle, and it was Dan Campbell and Nick Sirianni. The two would yeah, have I, maybe turned I, themselves I, around the most out of that, that
1: that group.
2: I thought Nick Sirianni couldn't drop a play that went further than five yards the first like <laughs> ten weeks last year. Everything yeah. was either a screenplay or a, like two B option, like the Niners yeah. with Trey Lance. And it
0: was the Zoom Rock Paper Scissors for me. I need to figure out what kind of competitors my guys are. So, we're going to play rock, paper, scissors over Zoom. And if you can compete in rock, paper, scissors, I know you can compete on the field. That was Nick Siriani's big takeaway from year one. <laughs> Obviously, no man to-
2: game, rock, paper, scissors, I tell
0: you. I do the same thing with my seventh graders in class. If they get bored, I just say, let's have a rock, paper, scissors tournament. And the winner gets to come up here and play rock, paper, scissors in front of the class. So, I get where it's coming from. I just use it. Twelve-year-old kids instead of thirty-three-year-old millionaires. I guess yes. uh, we're we're gonna take get into a quick break here. You're listening to Talking the Gridiron on the Variety Sports Network YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe, like the video, tell your friends. If you want to listen to exclusive NFL content, this show will be on every Sunday and Tuesday. And there's other great content coming out from Variety Sports Network throughout the rest of the week. So we're gonna be back here in about a minute, and we'll finish up with the uh, afternoon slate, and then look at the Monday night football game. And that's all coming up here on Talk of the great iron with myself, Jimmy Pilato from the far end of the bench and Darren and Tyler from fat boy fadeaway sports. we're going to go ahead and we're back here on talking the great Iron. I'm going to give you both a chance to It's no better time than our end to plug your own show since we are on the variety sports network, YouTube channel. And some of us not, might not be following uh, either the far end of the venture fat boy fade So Darren, why don't you take this time as we're uh, coming back here for break, plug your channel, plug your show and uh, where people can find you guys.
1: Yeah. Check us out at Fatboy boy fade sports podcast, YouTube channel. Please check us out there um we put a podcast out every sunday morning Been hooked up now with variety sports network we've had jimmy on his podcast a few weeks ago check out the interview we had on with him um we talk we, t- we try to touch on a little bit of everything every week a little bit of history we try to keep it moving and uh yeah we would just appreciate any support and uh like like opportunity for this so yeah check us out fat boy fadeaway sports podcast and uh yeah yeah i really enjoyed being on your show as a guest that was a whole bunch of fun
0: and uh, everybody should subscribe to their YouTube channel and then follow the variety sports network on your favorite audio listening platforms. And you can get the show downloaded automatically to your phone. That's I listen to you guys on Monday mornings when I drive into work. So I uh, appreciate that. To listen to your show Just like you guys have said, you, you listen to ours. If you want to listen to the far end of the bench with Nico and I, every Wednesday uh, at FEO TV pod, you can listen to us, follow us on all audio platforms. You, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well uh, at the far end of the bench. So, uh, we, we're similar. We talk about all kinds of sports, and he goes a basketball guru is, is what I like to call him. We both love the Avalanche, so we talk about hockey. But then I'm the I'm supposed to be the football guy. I don't know how the em's going so far this year, but haven't won one of those one one damn football pickem. Have not gotten close to winning one yet. In March Madness, I was like top five.
1: So who really knows? I, I have no clue what all this actually means. Ed, do you ever do those eliminator challenges things? He did, Nico does.
0: I don't I don't gamble my money as much as Nico does. The only gambling yeah. that I did and I ended up winning, which might be the end of my gambling career, is uh, the Avalanche. I had their future, like, plus 450 to win the Stanley Cup, and I won that one. So I think I might retire after that. But he did the Survivor League. He did it last year and lost when the, Bron- the Bengals lost to the Jets with Mike White as their starting quarterback. And he was doing it again this year. And if you listen to our show, I think it was two weeks ago he was talking about it. The Colts dying yeah. in week one killed him in that league
1: already. So he's not he's out of the Survivor League three weeks into the NFL season already. Hey, hey, I know we're gonna move on here, but just to promote your podcast a little bit more. I always love when I listen to it. Like and like I'm always like when I'm listening to Nico that's why I'm like I'm like I'm like, did he put money on this game? I'm like <laughs> whenever you think by his reaction, show? like he doesn't yeah. even mention it, but I'm like, I bet he put at least somebody on Utah. Uh, he put money on Utah to cover, I can tell. <laughs>
0: he's one of the sports fans that needs action on the game to be able to really pay attention to it. I love it. So if you I love think it. about that, listening to our show, didn't he go bet on this game? The answer is I yes. Did he lose money on this game? The answer is most likely. And and then we kind of move on from there. I don't know. We've been doing the Bullas locks of the week for the past three weeks in the NFL season. He's over yeah. for 3. And not only is he over for 3, he's
1: lost outright all three weeks. That cracks me. Up. That's
2: funny. I mean I'm telling you. Me, Dar- me and Darren used to do a gambling thing and i like, we suck at this. Why do we keep doing this? Like it I don't we're we're not good at it. I'm not good at it. I was like, let's try and get rid of this segment. What I would keep picking losers. I look like an idiot. Uh
0: on our last week's show we just decided instead of bullets locks, we're changing that segment to Fate Bolo. So whatever he <laughs> thinks is gonna hit, do the opposite. Good content today was the day was the Chargers minus seven against Jacksonville, and then it moved to minus three and a half when Herbert was ruled out. And yeah, it wasn't even close, it wasn't two, two weeks in a row that Jacksonville looks like a juggernaut. And uh, I got some some other things here. I've like I said, I've been pulling in some of the tweets that I've seen th- throughout the day. Doug Peterson typed Urban Meyer for fifth all time in most wins by a Jaguars head coach today at two. <laughs> And it, it could be worse. We we could all be
1: Jaguars fans.
2: Oh, God. I mean, hey, my brother out. picked the
1: Jags to win the division at the beginning of the year. I was impressed with that pick. So I got to get. And so far, he's not It looks like good 80. the
2: last two weeks. How does so, yeah, Trevor Lawrence look? Like? I got of ripped off like, like it's like why'd they waste his year on Urban Meyer? It, it, like you have that makes no sense. Top prospect, top like top grade coming out of high school, top grade coming out of college, and then you. You're like, I'm going to go with Urban Meyer. And then you get a real head coach, and he looks like who he's supposed to be. He looks yeah. legit. He looks really
1: good. Let's not like – if I was a Jaguars fan, I'd be pumped up with the way he looks. That's what I was, I was
2: saying.
1: And if I was it's a Chargers a fan, coach. I'd be pissed off. I'd be pissed off without my defense play today. That's a lot of money spent on that that defensive side of the ball to get up 38 points to a second-year quarterback.
0: It is a ton. I mean, 28-39, to 39, 262, and three touchdowns. Trevor Lawrence this season uh, – Looking over his stats real quick, let's see. In September, he was 49 of 22, 510 yards, three touchdowns, one pick, a total rating of 96.4, which I think if you would have talked to Jaguars fans last season, they would have taken that in a losing effort if you would have said Trevor Lawrence is going to throw for this many yards, this many touchdowns, and no picks. And now, like I said, or like you said, Darren, the coaching and Tyler, the coaching, I don't know why you waste that much time on Urban Meyer. After he kicks the kicker, you should probably get his ass out of there. After he doesn't <laughs> leave with you, you lose a Thursday night heartbreaker against Cincinnati and then he stays overnight and doesn't go back on the team and f- finger bangs some co ed in the bar. Like how are you <laughs> My holding type of guy? How My are you holding on to this guy <laughs> so far? But now Doug Peterson, Super Bowl pedigree head coach at Jeff Long thirty three, posed the question how for real are the Jaguars? They're in one of the worst divisions so they got that going for them. But how for real are the are the Jaguars?
2: I said they earlier are. in the podcast I think they're the favorites to win the AFC South. I don't I don't think they're a Super Bowl like contender but anything can happen in the NFL playoffs. So that's where I ha- where I'm at with the Jaguars for realness.
1: There, what do you think? Uh well, first of all urban meyer like he should not even have a job again at fox just i just said this is how i feel like i just think it's pretty ridiculous that like most people don't get a job that quickly for, for what he did so anyways with that said jaguars uh i think they are for real i mean Tyler, they have a number one pick quarterback i think you have to take that serious like kind of like how you guys had that with burrow last year
2: mm-hmm.
1: he's got upside things can play right in the NFL season. Injuries go your way and they're in the AFC South. Maybe they beat the Titans here coming up. They got a little bit two game lead. I I like the Jaguars going forward. They're kind of a little bit exciting.
0: Their schedule is pretty favorable coming up. I mean, they go to Philadelphia, but then they have Houston Indy and then the giants before they come to Denver and and try and figure themselves out against this roster. And and by that time, who knows what the Broncos are going to look like, but Going Philly, Houston, and Indy, there's a realistic chance that six weeks through the season this year, the Jacksonville Jaguars are 4-2, and and they put up 30 points, or almost 30 points. It wasn't quite 30 this week, but they put up pretty close last week, 30 points in the last two weeks and beat some pretty good teams that nobody gave them a chance to be beating 30 points for the season. So, I mean, they're they're moving forward. I, I think as a Jacksonville fan, if you're in Duval right now, Duval County, you you got to be thinking like, wow, why no. – like we said, why did we waste last year, and how can we make sure Trevor Lawrence never gets touched again by another living soul? Those yeah. are the two things that I'm worried about as a Jacksonville fan. No doubt. No. <clears throat> the other, they, other they, major – They got
2: ripped on earlier also for signing these receivers far above market value, but – you got to give the guy weapons and they Zay Jones and Christian Kirk have actually been pretty good worth the money. Maybe like, I don't know. It looks like it. if you're getting this out of what's his, the quarterback from Clemson. I can't think of his name Trevor Lawrence. Then yeah, it's worth to give him a little extra money to somebody else to make your star quarterback look better.
0: I thought that Christian Kirk was a castaway. I really just think that maybe he didn't jive with, with, with Kyler Murray. That, that has to be the only issue because the guy, he had successful seasons in Arizona, even when they were really bad. And now he's being successful in Jacksonville again. I'm, I'm kind of wondering maybe they, maybe it was just the Hollywood Brown move and they needed to move somebody out so that Hollywood Brown could come in. But then if you're a Cardinals fan, which we can kind of move to that game next, because they did take a loss to the, the Rams 20 to 12, you're now sitting at one and two And your quarterback, other than a miraculous comeback last week against a team who blew a 20-point lead, has looked awful. All of the rumors, all of the stories, all of the anecdotes, and I'm one of them. I'm guilty of it. I say every week, like, it wasn't a double XP weekend, so Kyler Murray doesn't have an excuse for losing the game today. Like, he he should have been somewhat prepared for the game today. However, we're sitting here, they're one and two, and in the scheme of the AFC West are now – last in the division and don't look like they have that much of a chance moving forward if they can't win these games and look like they did today at home losing to los angeles who we all said so far haven't looked the way that they they don't look like a defending super bowl champion what are we thinking of the arizona cardinals and the nfc west in general
1: i mean because even with the cardinals getting like hopkins back right who that should make a difference a little bit but I feel like with the Cardinals, like I said it last week, if it wasn't for that comeback, I feel like their co- their coach might be on the hot seat a little bit more. Like, I just feel like they're often they're better when things aren't scripted, right? They look terrible on offense, and it was the Raiders. So who knows, even at this point? So I I, I gotta be. I'm if I was a Cardinals fan, I'd be just like, what is going on? This is like his third year. Like he looks not very. I don't know. I just I would be a little bit like this doesn't. This doesn't feel right. Like, this doesn't look good. I don't like the way it's going. And if I was uh, Kingsbury, I'd be worried. Tyler, what do you think? That's, that's your division, and obviously you want to see them
0: continue to lose or at least continue to allow the 49ers some grace until they're able to figure themselves out. But as a whole, do you see the Cardinals as much of a threat for the NFC West? I know they made the playoffs last year, but they're more of a September and October darling more than a playoff team, I would say.
2: No, I, I didn't even see them as a threat last year, and they somehow made the play. Like, they started off 10-0 like, through, like, some gimmicky stuff and, like, weird wins. They are different when DeAndre Hopkins is on the field. I'll give them that. They actually can play on script. Like, they can't, like Darren says, they look like they're better when they're off script, and they absolutely are with Kyle Murray. But when DeAndre Hopkins is there, I've seen them beat the 49ers in week one last year, just picking them apart. Are they for, re- I I'm not worried about them whether, but could they go nine and eight and make the playoffs? Maybe. But I just, I no worries about there. There's just not enough.
0: talent. I think that there's a lack of talent. And I think to the other teams in the division are, are better than you, at least. I think if you're sitting there yeah. as an Arizona Cardinal, you, you got to go to San Francisco. And even with what they put out there tonight, they're better, they're a better team. Um, Los
2: Angeles proved that they were a better team. Jimmy G's playing like this? Like, this was
1: atrocious. Is the Broncos defense that good? Like, you have
0: Sertain and Chubb and Gregory, but – D.J. Jones,
2: Josie Jewell. Murray could –
1: I think the Cardinals could. I mean, mean, that's not the NFL. Like, I'm never going to say never, right? That's just kind of the way I've been kind of been brought up now is the NFL. Like, things can change month to month here with injuries and the way – but right now, the Cardinals do look lifeless on offense. I mean, I think that's—it's hard not to look at that team and be like, "How can you feel confident about that team?" They got they nothing's coming out of script. It's all play. It's all just like you know, sandlot plays right now for big plays, and that—that's not how you're going to win football games. I I
0: agree with that sentiment. Uh, and then looking at the other team that's in the NFC West, another team that took a loss today was the Seattle Seahawks. So. Like we said last week, Geno Smith should have answered those letters where we wrote him off, and he proved that once again this week the Seahawks fall to the struggling Falcons. Falcons finally get their first win of the season, 27-23. Neither team able to score in the fourth quarter, so it wasn't like it was a high-scoring, knockdown dragout drag-out type of brawl. It was really just who is going to not screw up enough to win this game. Yet Seattle – the, the question was raised earlier on in the show. Did they win the Russell Wilson trade? I don't – we kind of decided that they didn't. But did they make the right decision sticking with Pete Carroll? Is Pete Carroll going to be able to be feasible as an NFL head coach moving forward? And so far his strategy and sticking with that guy hasn't given you any benefit to what you would have had sticking with your quarterback. So, is Seattle much better off having left Russell Wilson and, and stuck with Pete Carroll? I don't know. I, I'm interested to hear what you guys think.
1: Good. I think
2: the I think the next coach is, should be thankful that he didn't take over this year. So, he has a little – like, because no one was winning with this roster. So, like, whoever was hired this year was just going to get a year behind the cue ball and be in trouble if something – they got a the slow start the year after. So, like, I think they should have held on to Carroll, but this would be Carroll's last year and find your coach for the future after you struggle through this year, which you did do yourself by trading your franchise quarterbacks.
1: I mean, his team will put up more points today than the Broncos. So I, I don't know. Like, well, there is there there. I, I I'm not. I actually kind of like Carroll. I think he's a good coach. Actually, overall, I know he does take a lot of heat for it, but I think overall he is a pretty good coach. I don't know what he did. I'm sure at USC he did many things illegally there. But sure. Well, Reggie's
0: mom, Reggie Bush's mom, had a house by the time to- end of his USC career. So th- that's one of the things that he did incorrectly. he,
1: cares. At well, USC. I
2: mean,
1: he right. cares. He cares. Well, so, like, he threw
2: the ball at the two yard line.
1: Yeah, there is that. There is that part of it. He was, he was just the coach, uh, no. No, the, he just the
0: head coach that had final say in the
1: play that was ran. But he—I feel like he, what he. What's that statement for a coach that's gone? He's a—he's a lame duck coach this year. He's gone next year. We all know that. I, I don't. I'd be shocked if he was back next year. It's going to be a clean house. They're going to draft a quarterback, and, or they're going to trade. They're going to sign somebody. Carroll's not going to be here next year, so. I'd I be surprised. I would be stunned if he was back next year. He's seventy-one. Yeah, that he too. Is seventy-one years old. They would Get have out. to. Make, they'd have to make the playoffs for him to be back. That is. I he mean,
2: does, he has the energy of not a seventy-one year
1: he old. He choose got him like a like a fifteen year like old. a madman who may have the energy. He but here's the thing: is your brain still firing on all cylinders when you're seventy-one years old? He's actually from the area. Me and Tyler are from too. Pete Carroll, a little bit north of it. Like, yeah, I'm just, Hulk I'm sure Hulk. that I'm
0: making even more enemies than I did when I was on your guys' show, tongue and that, talking this kind of shit. But no, no, to be honest with
1: you, like, sure. I think Carroll. a lot of people hate him now. He coaches Seahawks. <laughs> a lot people, just,
0: like, he's no dude, friend of mine. Just back
1: off. Like, you're hey, we gotta get one. those Falcons guys on here now. Now we gotta, yeah, we got get do. them on here now. They got join the Variety Sports Network. You got to get them on here and see. They got the big W this week. They got to be excited about that, Mario. That gives them. Can we put twenty eight to
2: three in the background? So when they come on, they're
1: gonna. Oh, that would be messed up. That would be messed up. Uh, what a what a welcome by Tyler. Screw you, twenty eight. Just <laughs> <laughs> see how um, they react. No, they liked our they liked our podcast today. You said of it, they'll be back. One of
2: the founder. Marcus Mariota is one of the best, most exciting backup quarterbacks to be starting hey they I won in seattle Denver
1: win. couldn't do it what was that they won in seattle Denver couldn't do it i mean there is you know whatever that's some it's something they won a game they got 27 points i mean whatever i mean they won on the road seattle's not an easy place to play so
2: it is what no, Mariota looks good i like watching Mariota play play i don't know it didn't work out in tennessee but he seems to find found something it's not like the like greatest quarterbacking ever but he seems like he can find ways to win
0: I feel like he's afraid to throw it to Kyle Pitts. That's why Drake London got the touchdown, and Drake London had the big stats. He throws it to Kyle Pitts outside of uh, – I, I guess that could also be Arthur Smith and his play calling, but uh, Kyle Pitts should never finish the day – when you're able to get into the red zone, he should never finish a game without a
2: touchdown. Yeah, you know, or he at least one career, hands. doesn't he? Like, Even last year before Barry
0: He there. didn't – yeah, I mean, he didn't score in on U.S. soil last year. It was the whole big – they <laughs> scored in the London game. He didn't score in America. So, count. To, This year, it doesn't seem like they're getting any closer to giving him the ball. I mean, he had five catches for 87 yards and eight total targets and no touchdowns. And then Drake London had three catches on six targets, 54 yards, and a touchdown. And Not like a fantasy
1: football owner to
0: me. <laughs> <laughs> I, that could be. That could be. But hey, fantasy football, you have an, you have some sort of incentive to win. I'm trying to, I guess I'm questioning whether or not the Falcons have an incentive to win. Does Arthur I just Smith think want to, they want to win? They,
1: they want the top quarterback. To Does
0: Arthur that. Smith want to prove that he is his dad's son and just lay out? I don't know if you've heard the the uh, gambling story behind Arthur Smith's dad, but he. he Smith had, said, one second. Okay? I, I got to make sure that I pull up the,
1: the name. Uh, now, Arthur Smith obviously is the owner of the Falcons here. You're saying he's the coach of the Falcons.
0: His dad, Frederick Wallace Smith, is a uh, he's the chair, founder and chairman of the FedEx Corporation. And early on in the FedEx years, he had, I think, 30 grand left in his name, put it on a roulette, roulette table in Vegas, and won the money that ended up saving the company. And they were able to go on, and now he's the he's been a, a major mogul. So does he have that kind of confidence in himself to be able to just take everything that he had left and risk it all on Black 23, or excuse me, Black 28. I don't know. I
2: wish was, was, I had the sound bit where Tyreek Hill said he must carry around his balls with a wheelbarrow, <laughs> on, on left.
0: his dad for sure. I think his dad yeah, that, he can't that, fit his, his balls dad. in the I wheelbarrow. Arthur Smith is behind his balls in his non chin right now.
1: I mean, that's the richest name of all time, too, I've ever heard, too. Frederick, what did you say, Frederick? <laughs> Frederick W. Smith. I mean that's like Richie Rich right there. That's as like rich that's as rich a name as you can get right there. Uh that's worth three point six billion dollars according to <laughs> Forbes <laughs> in twenty
0: twenty
1: two. Uh well the Falcons. How are, you gonna
0: stand out? How are you gonna stand out in that in that household? If you're Arthur Maybe. Smith, you're like, I'm the head coach of, of the Atlanta Falcons and the Fred <laughs> Freddie Smith just looks at you and goes, I dropped thirty grand on black twenty eight and saved the company that paid for this house you're living in. Hey, well, Arthur Smith's just like, yep, you're
1: right. I will say this just to kind of promote our guys on Variety Sports Network too. I am interested in listening to their podcast a little bit because kind of like when I listen to you guys with the Broncos a little bit more like just getting a different perspective. Like you guys actually live in Denver, so like you guys have a different passion for it. So I am actually interested in listening here to what – just what Falcons fans really think going forward. Like it is kind of interesting listening to what like – actual like you guys are listening to me rip on the Raiders like it is kind of like getting that homegrown like feeling of what it is so I do I you know I also I am trying to promote variety sports efforts but I am always interested in that fascination with teams and their fan base and how they see their teams a little bit as well
2: one quick thing about the how shocking is this Cordero Patterson rise from
1: that is the craziest thing I've ever thought of this how you become a game. running back all of a sudden What yeah, the hell?
2: I, I remember being a Wide receiver in Minnesota. I'm thinking this guy's the next Randy Ball. I was I like dropping him fourth round in second year in the NFL. Thinking, oh, this guy's going to be it. But he completely craps the bed for the next couple of years. He comes to Atlanta. He becomes this two way player, mostly running back. He lights up. He's, he's very good. Way better than I ever expected as a full time running back.
0: Way better than he should be, for sure. I mean, better than – I think part, part of it was the number, and it started going away a little bit. But in the NFL, normally like 84 or 80 and above couldn't run the ball when he gave it to him. He had to catch it and then run with it. And now Cordell Patterson is wearing a receiver's number and able to play good running back. I don't know if you guys remember at the end of his Chicago tenure, he was able to take the ball out of the backfield and, and make some big plays out of it on a bad Matt Nagy Chicago letoff off. Yeah, play. yeah, yeah. Mr. Biscay as his quarterback. So he's he's been this level before, but now I guess Arthur Smith is really showcasing him. I mean, he's the future back. He's the future back of the yeah, NFL. He was drafted as a third-round wide receiver. That's what's and crazy he, about it.
2: He's the future back. Before, he was like the gimmicky guy getting a run every once in a while, making a big play like he could or always could. Yeah. That's but great. now being a future back in 17 carries for 140 yards, you're like, what? The, this guy's different than I thought. That's
0: all I could say. I mean, Atlanta. Yeah, I, it, it makes no sense why he was able to change position and be as successful as he is, yet, yeah, 140 yards, a touchdown on 17 carries, and he didn't even – it's not like he's still producing receiver-wise. He's, he seems like he's per, changed himself into a full-time running back himself, mm-hmm. and that's what he's focusing on. So it seems like it's a good thing for Atlanta fans and should be encouraging. I think it should be encouraging, too, with what Drake London has been able to do as a rookie. If you can find a way to get Drake London and Kyle Pitts featured in your offense, you should be light years. Like you might be on your way to winning this division because the NFC South, and and that'll bring us to our last game before we wrap up Sunday night football and make our Monday night predictions. The Buccaneers lose 14-12 to Green Bay at home and their offense without any of their starting receivers. So I guess you've got to throw that caveat, caveat in there. Even though their receiver basically took them out of, took himself out of the game last week in uh, Mike Evans fighting Marshawn Lattimore, if Atlanta can figure themselves out, if Marcus Mariota can keep making sure that the ball doesn't get turned over and and finding ways to win these games, is Atlanta a serious contender for the NFC South championship? Because I don't necessarily know who else fits that mold at the current moment.
1: I mean, I would I, I don't know, Tyler. Me mean, you were looking at each other. There's no way I put, put, put my money on the Falcons. Not above the Bucks, at least right now. But if I, they, I, they, would, they, I would, not I would pick the, I would even put my money above. I, I would go Bucks, Panthers, Saints, the Falcons. That's Panthers over the Falcons. That's the order I would go in with. The it. Panthers I, just broke an eight game losing streak today that spanned back to last season. Well, with the worst
2: know. coach in the league. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I, I just – that's the way I would go with it. I like the Panthers defense better. I like the Panthers defense. That's what I would go with that. I would go with that. And you even said it. Like, look at the quarterbacks you just mentioned. They're going to play him four times this year. They might get – there's a good chance they could beat him three out of four times in those, that league right there. Mayfield could win a couple games there. He's, he's proven he can get to the playoffs before. That's just the way I see it in terms of the Bucks, uh, Patriot, or Bucks packers game. Rogers watching that game like Rogers made some throws where I'm like yeah he's he can be a you know what but he, some of the throws he makes off his back leg are just stupid that one he made maybe I should open up
0: my third eye yeah maybe I should open up my third eye and do some ayahuasca in Peru. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly that but hair gel the hair good. gel was so done. I mean that one throw he made to Lazard though with like four minutes like left like off his back foot was just stupid good and like I'm watching that like Derek Carr, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know, like I like the I think the Bucks, like you said, they're missing everybody. It's Brady, they're in this little rhythm right here. It's a huge win for the Packers if it's me. I mean to me, we were kind of after week one, right? Like, relax. Yep. Relax. It's Aaron Rodgers. Tyler was right. I I've said this
2: I've said this about Aaron Rodgers since we started podcasting. He's the greatest thrower of the football I've ever seen. And I don't think it's really close. The way he can throw a football, how accurate he can be. Is he the best quarterback I've ever seen, though? But just the way he throws the football is just ridiculous. At all, it just, He makes these throws that, like, blow your mind every year.
1: Trivia question. Who was Aaron Rodgers' first opponent, college football? Cowboy.
2: Oh, college. I don't
1: know. Oh, college? Um, yeah.
2: Couple,
1: I, close to Jimmy, Utah. as the uh, first not in the pack. Oh, so it was Alex Smith, it was
0: the guy that got drafted number one. Well, oh, I just remember Herb
1: Street because for some reason the main guys did this game. It was a random Friday night game, and they're like, just the throws oh, the ball crazy hard. hard. Like they were just like fascinated, like Tyler was by how hard this guy threw the ball. They were like, and I was like, damn, maybe this guy's gonna be really good. And yes, he was really good.
0: Well, let's let's put this into perspective for some of our younger viewers that might not know. Uh, before Patrick Mahomes was the guy that you're like, how the hell did he make that throw? It was Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron oh, Rodgers yeah. was a guy that if you left a minute, thirteen seconds on the clock with less than a seven point lead, you're losing that game. It's not even a question; you're just straight up losing that game. The Cowboys, the Amazon Prime series that they do in the season, All In, they were the Cowboys were the first year, and that was the year that Aaron Rodgers was down twenty three going into halftime, came all the way back and got the ball back with a minute, thirteen seconds left to be able to win the game against the Cowboys. You're here.
2: That first game started in the
0: playoff game. I, yeah, and, and it wasn't – I mean, the Packers Easy, got man. the ball back, and you're just like, this is over. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. The guy can make any throw. And if it comes down to a Hail Mary situation, he's like Steph Curry. Uh, you guys know. He's like watching yeah, Steph Curry throw up a three. If he throws up a Hail Mary, you're just assuming like, oh, yeah, turn around, that's fine. Go on to the next one. It's in. No, long right. to worry
1: about it. As long the as he doesn't he play the Niners the or Giants in the playoffs, right, Tyler?
2: What
1: was that? <laughs> as long as he doesn't play the Niners or the Giants in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the
2: hey. throw he made to beat the Cowboys that first year to come back. Uh, yeah, I, I, did, I oh.
0: did you guys watch the playoff game? They ended up beating uh, – losing to Arizona, but that – where it was him versus Plum Palmer in overtime, and Larry Fitzgerald had the crazy – he threw two Hail Marys on that last drive in overtime that I was like, there's no way he's completing either one of these. And I can't even remember who the dude was that came up and caught it. It was some no-name white receiver that they were trying to make into the next Jordy Nelson, and he caught both of them and pushed that game into overtime. And I was just sitting there like, this game was over an hour ago. There was absolutely no possible way that the Green Bay Packers could have came back just 60 minutes before. And yet here we are, and, and they're going into overtime it ended up not working out for them because I think Mike McCarthy was the coach then and Mike McCarthy's one of the worst head coaches in the NFL. Uh, but yeah, that's Aaron Rodgers for the generation of fans that only know Patrick Mahomes as the guy that you can't give the ball back to. Aaron
1: Rodgers was Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes was a thing. Tyler loves Roger. I mean, he is. He does. He, he just throws the
2: ball. I again. hate Rodgers. He should have been on
1: no, the No, you run. love the way he I throws He should ball. have been on the Niners. I will hey. give Tyler that.
2: I appreciate greatness. I don't have a problem going, that guy is great. And that guy throws the ball better than anybody I've
0: ever seen. Uh, Before we get into, we're going to finish talking about the Sunday night football game. As I'm scrolling through ESPN, I I see here, uh, Herbert was asked after the game, whether or not he thinks him playing might've been a detriment to the Los Angeles chargers. And his response was, I didn't want to quit on the team. So where do you guys fall on that? Should he have maybe sat out the game knowing that he wasn't going to be able to be 100% and put the team in the best position to win? Or are you okay with the quarterback thinking that even if he is 70%, he's the best chance that this team has to win? Because you kind of have to have that. I mean, I think that was Burrow's mindset for 80% of the season last year, especially on the playoff run. Where do you sit on Herbert making that choice to be able to play, even though the doctors probably ruled him out and then he kind of overrode their decision?
1: I think the Chargers had to save him from himself in this game. I think that was the thing. I think the Chargers had to like pull him out of this one, like because I mean, if you're an athlete, you have any type of soul and heart. You're going to try to play for your team, especially if you're the leader of your team and you're as good as Herbert is on that team. It, it literally is the team probably going to have to like go to him and be like, you're out of the game. Like I, I don't see what it was. He didn't look the same he, running. He there was a couple plays early where he was running to the left and he just I, he just made a throw like. An average quarterback would with no torque, no no fire behind it, and he, we all know we're you know what I mean. He's not like that, and so right away I was like, oh, he's he's hurt and he's not 100. percent. And if I was a Chargers fan, it would have been disappointing. I hate that when your best players are playing hurt. It's just it's such a downfall. And have seen it
2: I, with Curry on the Warriors.
1: Yeah, know. exactly. The team kind of downplays. It's like almost like if you just would have said, okay, our backups in, we're freaking gonna go with him. It's mm-hmm. almost like it would have been better.
2: I think you nailed it right on the head. Um, it, I'm just going to speak now. Uh, yeah, Herbert he looked ordinary. It was the first time I've watched him. in like, this guy looks like a normal quarterback. He doesn't look special. He doesn't seem like he has that, like, crazy make that play whenever you need it on fourth down or third down. And, obviously, he was hurt. He had to do, deal with his ribs and what, like Darren said. It's on the coach or on the team. I think the Savior, I, I, as a player and as a fan, I appreciate what Herbert did and I liked that like attitude of wanting to play, but maybe, I don't know how injured he was. Maybe he could have played, Like, but the way he played, it looked like he couldn't. So I'll blame the team and the doctors before I'll blame the player. This is
0: the common thing that we've had for the Chargers the last two weeks. I've mentioned it where was the blame supposed to be on on the pick six that ended up costing them the game against the Chiefs last week? Yeah. Was it Everett? Was it the head coach? Or was it Herbert not noticing that your guy's not out there? And they're really – as much of a wonderkind as Kevin Staley has been labeled as early on in his career, his management skills as a head coach – leave a little bit to be desired. I think that you would probably want something different or at least him to be able to step in and and save, like Darren was saying, save the guy from himself. I think he probably should have had that last year too, or not not last year, last week when Herbert is clearly laboring and he has the play where it's a third and one and there's nobody in front of him for 15 yards and he decides to flick it down and and live to fight the next play instead of trying to go get that first down because he's tired of being punched and tired of being hit. And I – you have this generational, I think he, he's, he is the generational quarterback that people have labeled him as. He at least has the raw upside to be able to be that, but he's not being helped out at all from his coaching staff or his management. And the fact that they keep throwing him out there to just be beat up, beat up on is a little bit concerning if I'm a Los Angeles Chargers fan. Um, You still have a good chance to win the division and that'll bring us around to, to finishing up talking about the the 49ers and Broncos game. Um, Overall, final takeaways from especially Tyler from Use as the 49er fan. If you were listening the entire time, if you tuned in live when we started, you saw the live reaction as that game ended. Obviously, the Broncos win on a last-second fumble. But what are your final thoughts to this Sunday night football matchup and seeing Jimmy G as the starting quarterback for the 49ers again?
2: Here we go again. It's going to be ugly. We're going to have to just find ways to win. We we'll need Jimmy to make plays. Kyle has got to do something different. These plays aren't right. Kittle didn't look 100% today. Debo still isn't making any plays outside of the occasional run play, which I – they need a running back. They're, I'm very frustrated. The team doesn't look good. Can they bounce back? Yeah, the division is actually really down this year, I would say, more than years past. The ringhams don't look great. So I'm not like – I'm not counting this out, but it's going to be ugly every week. It's not, it's not going to be like this – we have a savior now, like Trey was supposed to be when we traded three first-round picks. It just figured out ways to win.
0: Darren, you got anything to wrap up? I, I know I put the tweet back out there. Everybody should follow at FEO TV Pod. Ugliest W of all time, but when in doubt, rely on the D. Let's ride.
1: Uh, <sighs>
0: should the Broncos be encouraged by this win, or or should they still be a little bit concerned as to how this whole thing turned out?
1: Uh, the Broncos should be very. The Broncos should be happy about this win. The Broncos escaped with a win. If anything, I mean, Niners wanted to. I mean, that's a terrible start losing to. What? It, I never would have thought that next week. Just a little look ahead. Massive game against the Rams next week. Uh, that'll be a big game here going forward. But for the Broncos, I mean, gosh, you escaped. You're 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 two and one now. You got to be feeling pretty good. Chargers Raiders look like they're. Maybe falling off the map a little bit. The Chiefs lost to the Colts. A Little life here. You're escaping with the w- wins. Nathaniel's got to be feeling a little better. Broncos letting it ride. I don't know what the heck that's going to be mean. Let it ride with Nathaniel. He's got to. Maybe you got to put a little parenthesis there at the end there. <laughs> I don't know how much you want to let it ride. I don't know. This, how- tweet, this <laughs> the fact that this tweet exists says it all. I don't think that we should let it
0: ride
2: all all that much.
1: I I just think that I just think it's gonna be that. But I didn't say
2: F. Russell Wilson. This guy has 18 and four. And four.
1: 18 and before. four against the Niners. Jim
2: Harbaugh I hate this man. I can't stand him. 18
1: and four. He gives right. fake high
0: fives as he's walking out. He does a- give fake high fives, yeah. He's a loser. He's got you got to be prepared, okay? you got to be prepared. Otherwise, you look like Tom Brady out there, like, guys, guys. <laughs> no? Okay. Uh, Dan Orlowski is also now not the last quarterback to step out of the back of the end zone since Jimmy Brown Pulled the Dan Orlovsky tonight. I know it's tough. Lost them
1: the game one
0: point. <laughs> Did lose them the game? No, but he
2: threw a pick six on the play. he Stepped out of bounds. Maybe you saw the play. Maybe so really it was a four out.
0: point swing instead of a. It was a, it was saving them four oh, points. Yeah, that's a
2: good play to step out of bounds.
0: Good, good job, Jimmy.
2: just thinking.
1: Good job. Just thinking ahead. You like
0: had I'm had definitely going to
2: subway sandwich. you fully meat the big <laughs> Italian.
0: I wish. Uh, here's again. I wish I was a better podcast producer because I would have just put in the Happy Gilmore subway ad while Tyler said that. All in one. Yeah, no,
2: let's talk about a in one. Happy Gilmore would be all
0: my job. <laughs> all right, Mister, let's. Mister. Uh, <laughs> I told him, I told Nico after week one,
1: get this thing off of me, Pista. <laughs>
0: Uh all right let's get into our our Monday night predictions. We're wrapping up here on uh, week 3 of talking the gridiron Monday night football this week. It's another NFC NFC East matchup and that will be the, the Dallas Cowboys off of their win against the Cincinnati Bengals going to New York taking on the undefeated New York Giants. First time they're undefeated since 2016. I don't I know that you guys are probably familiar but the boat picture if you ever seen the picture of Odell Beckham and all of the Giants after they clinched the NFC East the last time and, and went out on their yacht picture. First time that they've been undefeated or 2-0 since that picture was taken. So crazy, <laughs> it, it's, it's wild to think about. But Brian Dable is now here in New York. Saquon Barkley, Saquad Barkley is, is not injured. So there's a lot of different factors that are going into this. And Cooper Rush is going to be the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. So looking at just the, the spread of this game, New York is favored by one. And the over-under is set at 39. So if, if you're just using your inferential tools here, I'm, I'm going to pull out my social studies teacher. If, if we're just inferring based on that information, Vegas thinks that this game is going to be shitty. There's not going to be a lot of points scored. And they're only giving New York the favorite quote favorite because they're, they're the home team in this situation. Um, I really don't have a ton that I'm expecting to see out of this game, other than the fact that the NFC East picture might get a little bit clearer. Because if New York goes 3-0 and while Philly is 3-0, and you kind of got to wonder how good are these other teams that, that, that Philly is playing. But if the Cowboys win and they're able to survive another week without Dak Prescott, and Cooper Rush looks basically the same that he did last week, you got to start thinking can the Cowboys maybe weather the storm until Dak gets back and then is this a contender for the division? So where are we kind of sitting at just before we get into our actual predictions? What are our thoughts going into this game?
1: I I got the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys have a good chance to go to come in there and get a a win here. I think the Giants are coming off two wins, 2-0. I don't think anybody expected them to go 2-0 in that to start the season. I don't know. I just feel like, man, 3-0 just feels a lot for a team that just kind of – is getting it going again, so I would kind of lean towards the Cowboys a little bit in a matchup like this. And I like Barkley, but the Cowboys' defense is—I feel like that's the legit part of it. So I feel like as long as they don't turn the ball over, I'm kind of leaning towards Dallas a little bit. Tyler, what do you what are you thinking?
2: I like the Giants. I had the Giants a year early. I had the Giants win the division last year. And it's and it just, Saquon got hurt early, really, and this is the Saquon I expected to see. I had him when I think he the, he could be the best running back if he he puts it together, which he hasn't done yet for a full. But he has that like skill set of huge catching how fast he is, the breakaway speed. And the O line and the D line have been pretty dominant the first two games. And like we said the last two podcasts before this one, we mentioned the trenches, and they're very good in the trenches so far. So. I and Cooper Rush is leaves a lot to be desired. Zeke isn't who he was five four. Not at all. No. And so I just I just think the Giants have a little more dynamic di, more they're a little more dynamic than the Cowboys.
0: I would agree with everything that was said. I think the Cowboys offense is the reason why I would probably lean towards the Giants. I too was kind of on the same board as Tyler. I think I picked the Giants to win the NFC East last year and obviously I was way too early on that whole prediction and, and Saquon being injured as much as he has been. <clears throat> I was one of the few people defending that pick of Saquon Barkley at number two overall, and so far I've had to eat a lot of crow just because all of the things that people were telling me in my face, you can't draft a running back number two because they're not healthy. Where the, the NFL is going, you don't need a bell cow back. You just need serviceable running backs. Well, now he's a serviceable running back with home run potential. He still has that home run. It's not the same level that we saw when he was at Penn State, but he can still take a ball, the screen pass, and run it 60 yards down the field. It's not like Saquon Barkley has lost the ability to do those things. That plus I think Brian Dable is a better coach than the Giants have had for the last two years. I didn't really trust in Joe Judge. I, I definitely love Brian Dable a lot more, and I can't get behind Mike McCarthy and his staff as a head coach. If it was Dan Quinn, I'd feel a little bit differently about this game. The fact that the head coach is Mike McCarthy and basically the, the closest thing that we have in the NFL to Gallagher as a head coach instead of an actual, you know, tried and true NFL oh, uh, man, I, I, I just can't can't get behind it. So even though they beat my team last week, even though the Giants probably do for a stinker, I think on Monday Night Football at home. In East Rutherford, the fact that the Giants and Jets both got home games this week is probably got some cosmic thing to deal with. But I'm going to go with the Giants over the Cowboys. I just, in good faith, I can't pick the Cowboys in this this point. So I'm season. the only
1: one going with the Cowboys. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. All right. Do you guys remember your picks last week on Monday night?
2: Oh, I got it right for
1: sure. All right. Uh, I'd have to
0: double check
2: and see.
1: It was it was Buffalo and Tennessee and Philly and no,
2: I picked Tennessee,
1: Minnesota. I picked the Vikings and Buffalo. I went one and one. I, I went
0: I picked I went one and one picking the Titans and the Eagles. So Yeah, I
2: think I went
0: one and one too. Yeah, right. we're we're all pretty much even. That's fine. And now that we only have one game to worry about, we can probably keep track of that a little bit easier. I can remember that one. Like <laughs> yeah I don't know you've probably heard on my podcast the last two years I've been trying to keep it with by hand and we were picking all of the games every week for our NFL them. Oh, so man. I was like oh, after week two I was like okay Nico you're 32 24 and there's been like four ties in the NFL over last season so it's like 34 22 and three um this one this one, is one. <laughs> I have it all in a Google doc and we're only picking six games so I can try and keep up with it That's somewhat can. of an accurate standing by the end I'll probably make a Google doc for this show uh, but we're – yeah, what's up, Tyler?
2: Can I just ask one last question before we get off the air and move on? Yeah, go ahead. And before you can do the closing now part. Does it seem like this is going to be the lowest scoring season in the NFL in a while? Darren brought it up week one that the defense looked like it owned the offense. I feel like there was only two 30-point teams this week. I just feel like the offense has been lackluster. and All the rules go to the offense. So I'm just wondering, like, is that what it is now? But then could that go to Jimmy's
1: philosophy of the preseason where people don't start right away either and they kind of get off to a uh, That's what I was about to say. I think this is considered
0: week one. This is This has to be considered week one because now all of the starters have two weeks
1: under their belts. So Maybe I don't I know. change my name then. Maybe the Raiders still have a chance. <laughs> Raiders are only 0-1 after one week. I don't know
0: what the hell you're talking
1: about. <laughs> We're still in it. Let's go, boys. Let's go. Yeah. I don't.
0: I, I think, too, it's probably a little bit, because the last two seasons have been such an offensive explosion. There has to be a correction at some point. And early on in the season, too, the defenses, like speaking from my experience at college, our, our fall camps were always the worst because the coaches couldn't figure out why the defense was so much farther ahead of the offense. And then all of us sitting over there on the offensive side of the ball are like, they just have to chase down the guy that's holding the ball. There's not that much that they have to learn. I have to learn plays, snap counts. Where are the guys going to go on every single time? How am I going to block a guy that's way more athletic than I am with a full head of steam while I have to go backwards? So I don't know. I'm not ready to say that the offense is lackluster this year. I think that it's still maybe a little bit early. But if we're talking two weeks from now, two Sundays from now, and there's still only two teams being able to score over 30 points, then I think we're in the, the weird season that nobody's going to appreciate
1: because everybody just wants to see forty to forty five games. Not it, me, I
2: hate it.
1: If yeah. that happens, I'm going to bring out a theory that we'll wait, but I'm going to wait a couple of weeks there. So we'll is wait. Tom Brady deflating to the balls for the NFL now? Is that what's going on? <laughs> and there would be no balls. Involved. Did anybody
0: else get duped by those stupid <laughs> Amazon Prime commercials? I thought that they were actually changing the ball because they had so many of the quarterbacks with like doing the stupid videos. Oh was yeah, like, yeah, was yeah, like yeah. how are they really
1: going to do that? That seems yeah. a little gimmicky, but like the Roger NBA never a few years ago. <laughs>
2: We're gonna introduce the four balls.
1: Line. I don't like these balls; they're too slick. I, don't like it. <laughs> uh, I was like, "Come on, man, what are we doing?" Here? Speaking <laughs>
0: of, I mean, talk about uh, the balls and how they affect stuff. I, I, I wonder if there was any juicing going on when Poolhouse was playing in that game on Sunday, on Saturday night, Friday night. Excuse me. Just saying. Oh, just I love putting,
2: the I love the pessimistic legend. I'm right there with you,
0: man. Just putting, and also, how do you leave a slider in that situation that far over the plate? unless you were trying to have pool Hose hit 699 and 700 off of you I don't know
2: And then you do. have the opposing coach celebrating a maybe 700 on runs but uh that's for you it, it, seventh inning stretch
1: and seventh inning stretch why don't we join them every Monday every Friday Logan yeah. <laughs> Logan Logan and uh right. Josh and Josh yeah yeah and Josh right. should be in a better mood this week because the Colts
0: got a win over the chiefs so there's there's good I called that video.
1: one. I called that one, ladies and gentlemen. That was the that was the bold prediction of the week.
0: You're the only one of all of yeah. us that did that. Um, yeah. Well, is there anything else that we have to get out there before we we kind of wrap things up here? Nope. Thanks for yeah, hosting, my Miami's
2: man. Fucking suck. <laughs> That's that yeah.
0: it. <laughs> <true. laughs> there we go. <laughs> Uh, if you want to listen to Darren and Tyler, check out the Fat Boy Fadeaway Sports Podcast every Sunday. You can follow them on Twitter at Fat Boy Fadeaway and uh, subscribe to their YouTube channel. I was on their episode 101, so if you want to hear three of us go on a little bit longer, talk a little bit more than just the NFL, be sure to check out that episode and uh, be sure to follow at Feotv Pod for the far end of the bench. New episodes every Wednesday, top of the mountain every Friday uh, for a D two look at the RMAC Conference. I've been to a couple RMAC games in person, so. Everybody should tune in this Friday, and, and I'll be sure to break down those experiences. And as always, we are presented by the Variety Sports Network. Be sure to subscribe to this YouTube channel that you are listening, watching on. Leave a like, uh, comment, all of that good stuff. Subscribe to the channel. Be sure to follow Variety Sports Network wherever you listen to podcasts. You get all of the shows downloaded to your phone automatically, so you don't even have to worry about what what you're missing out on. They automatically pop up there. So uh, for myself, Jimmy Pilato, Fat Boy, Fadeaway Sports Guys, Darren, and Tyler. Thank you all for listening to this week of Talking the Gridiron here on the Variety Sports Network. We will catch you all next Sunday.